0: Hello and welcome to the Ram Gad Pod, the Realtors Association of Maui Government Affairs Director Podcast. I am your host, Jason Economu, Government Affairs Director for the Realtors Association of Maui. And I am joined this week by Dave DeLeon, former Government Affairs Director for the Realtors Association of Maui. How's it going, Dave? Pretty good. Pretty good. So, Dave, you were Gad for 10 years, right? That's correct. And now you are just a gentleman farmer? And grandfather. And grandfather. How old are your grandkids? Uh, one six year old and two 16 months old. Oh, wow. You're busy. Twins. Yep. Cool. Boys, uh, all boys. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's a handful. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, so, Dave, we have a little over 1,700 members right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you recall how many members we had when you were GAD? It zoomed up and down. It was like as low as 13, I believe, and got up to around 18 at one point. Oh, wow. That's, that's a lot of numbers. Um, as you had pointed out before we started recording, at that time when you were GAD, probably a lot of folks didn't know you. Uh, even now, a lot of folks probably don't know you. So, Dave DeLeon, where are you from? Tell us about yourself.
1: Hmm. So I'm a, um, born in the womb of Steelers fan. I was born in Pittsburgh. Um, in 1946, so I'm old enough to know better. Um, And I actually grew up in Philadelphia, Um, and so a Pennsylvania person, uh, until I joined the Army when I was 19 and went to Vietnam and played um, that game for four years.
0: What was your your job in the Army?
1: Uh, I was trained as a North Vietnamese uh, uh, voice intercept operator. So I was uh, I was trained in Norfolk to manage the language and um, and worked behind a radio um, that's intercepting uh, transmissions from quote unquote the enemy.
0: Wow, that must have been pretty intense. Do you do you have any any takeaways from that time that, that you'd want to share, or do you want to just move on?
1: Um, nothing I want to put in of, 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 of any kind of record.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Sorry for asking.
1: No, it's just that yeah
0: so yeah. what you what did you do after the army
1: uh, I came to Hawaii
0: straight off
1: yeah um, so uh, I was right out of high school into the army and then the whole time thing I gotta get to college um, so as soon as I got out of the army I went straight to UH, UH because I was looking for a degree in Asian studies I was very interested in Asian studies um, my um, Nine months of uh, six hours a day classroom work on in North Vietnamese uh, gave me 30 credits to work from. So I, I had a I'm running start on a, on a BA, and I didn't get my BA, in, in, and as a result, I got my BA in three years as a result. Um, but about a year into it, I realized that I had, if I stayed in Asian studies, my options were one, the CIA, or two, I was teaching in, you know, in some academic uh, situation and neither one of them were ringing my bell, so I moved over to journalism.
0: After UH, uh did you jump straight into journalism from there?
1: I tried. It, it didn't happen. Um, I, um, I went to Tokyo to look for work, oh, wow. and, um, and I spent about six months there, uh, starved to death, and uh, found my wife and then came home.
0: Is your wife Japanese? Yes, she is. Yes,
1: yeah, she's from from uh, from Nigata, the snow country. Um, and that in that period, I was looking for work in journalism. But uh, I was fresh out of uh, journalism school, um, and uh, my my uh, Japanese language skills weren't that that sharp. There were I had lived in Japan for two years in the army, so I picked up some Japanese. I could speak it, but not not in a real business sense. Um, and um, and this, there wasn't and nothing clicked. I wasn't able to get anything. And, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing that happened to me when I first came to Hawaii. Was I went? I've been thinking about this a lot recently. I was went to a um, there was a, some kind of sit-in by Native Hawaiians at the university over I forget what the issue was. Um, but you know, I went to see you know how I could lend a hand or what was going on. So I went over to this event. And you know, I asked one of the one of the people who were participating. You know, well, how could I participate? And he says, "It's very easy. Buy a ticket and leave." And and that was kind of an eye opening because you know, it like you know, the, the, you know, I was being seen as an invader, um, and I kind of took it to heart. I was that's why I went to Tokyo right after the BA. I mean, get my degree and get out of everybody's way. And then I got to thinking about it when I was in Japan and saying, okay, so Dave's not living in Hawaii is going to prove what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, really, what's that going to prove? And, um, you know, so some some hippie guy from California surfs is going to get my spot instead. So the heck with that, I went back. And besides, I was a, I realized I was totally addicted. Mm. Um, so, I mean, the, the Polynesian paralysis was pretty strong on my bones. And just uh, came sliding right back. And... And um, my wife got um, got her M.A. in teaching Japanese as a second language at U.H. and I got uh, my 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 uh, master's in uh, political science. And um, and was having the hardest time, the hardest time, getting getting um, gameful employment on Oahu. I bounced from one job to the next, and um, I wrote a book for about a year and. I, I learn how to game the system, you know how to be unemployed and make money at the same time. you know <laughs> but uh, it wasn't, it wasn't getting me anywhere. And then um, uh, my wife hit on a um, uh, a tenureable teaching job at, uh, at at Maui Community College. and um, and at the same time we had an option of going to um, going to uh, Japan. There was a, a job opening for me in a university there. And teaching English which is not my cup of tea but it was could be good money and um, so we we made our, our our judgments on what what was best and uh, my oldest son was having a little bit of difficulty with language acquisition we figured that you know splitting the difference and going to Japan was not going to work for him mm. so um, um, but it was kind of split 50 50 um you know c- coming here or not and we decided to come over here at that point, i have been in Hawaii about ten years, so I was pretty much—I pretty. I had worked as a journalist uh, for a year on, on Oahu, and um, and that was kind of in my blood. I wanted to be a journalist, and so I landed—we um, landed here, and um, took a—I worked for the college for a little while as a counselor, and then I—then um, I worked as uh um, a, um the reporter on a weekly newspaper called the Maui Sun um, for two two and a half years until it folded. Was not my fault.
0: What I want to I want to cut you off. I want to jump back to your book. What What was your book about? It's funny. It's sort of like something Ellie Calico would have written.
1: If you read go if I go back to it, makes me cringe in a way. It is uh, a series of case studies of uh, community activity, act- activisms on on Oahu. Um, was it ever published? No. Uh, it came close, and then it got blocked. Do you have a copy of it? And I do, but I don't want to show anybody.
0: Okay. I was just, <laughs> I was just curious. Maybe yeah. maybe I could convince you to, to let me read your book sometime.
1: Well, it is, I mean, it was just going to take so much. I mean, I read it now, and I cringe with the language, and, and I just, you know, it's um, nothing I really want to put my name on.
0: What was your intention in writing the book?
1: Uh, actually, it was actually a, a th- almost like a thesis. Um, it was um, three, uh, six case studies, uh, th- three which were wins and and and, and, and th- three that were losses, and trying to pull out the primary um, variables that that led to success you know, what, what kind of um, characteristics uh, worked best for the for the active active organizations that were involved and what carried them through. Um, and so there was a th- there was six chapters of the case studies and then one chapter of the analysis. Interesting. And, and actually it was kind of leaning toward a, a PhD kind of thesis but I never got there. I, mean, I wasn't really inclined to spend
0: half my life getting a PhD. I mean you know, you are just a retired gentleman farmer and grandfather right now. You, you might have time on your hands.
1: That doesn't seem to be the case.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so mm. you moved to Maui after being in Hawaii for about a decade. Right. Um, during that time of, of being in Hawaii, did you ever have an inclination or a notion to, to move back to the mainland, to go back to Pennsylvania or anything like that?
1: No, I kind of considered myself a refugee, and yeah, you know, I found I found some place where I really wanted to live, and you no, know, I th- wasn't inclined at all. I mean, economically, I probably would have done better, but I came from a, a, a steel family, um, factory workers, um, and th- my father would lobby me for me to return to the, f- the factory. You know, great jobs, and that factory isn't there anymore, mm. um, and. No, and my and my dad had died from um, asbestosis from from working there. Oh wow! So so yeah, it's probably a good move that uh, I didn't um, you know fly back that way. I had no inclination though. I really didn't. I really got in the, the bug, um, the Pacific bug, I call it. Um, basically, when I found found the Pacific Ocean, uh, when I came to when I was studying uh, North Vietnamese, I was at Monterey. And then I lived in Vietnam and Japan, um, and, and then Hawaii. And I was really um, mesmerized by Asian culture and about and and the difference between the East the East Coast and the West Coast was, was the world's difference oh, to me. yeah. So I, I was not interested in going back to the East Coast at all. It just was not a happy place for me.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm an East Coaster as well, and um, Hawaii it's practically a different country. I mean it, it really is in, in so many ways the, mm-hmm. the cultural touchstones and Hawaii is so vastly different from the West Coast and the West Coast is so vastly different from the East Coast. Right,
1: right. To me it's, you know, it's I, I wrap it around the Pacific Ocean really. I mean it's just, you
0: know, I, I don't want to be going back toward the Atlantic. I want to stay over on this side. Yeah, I don't blame you. I'm right there with you. Yeah. So you moved to Maui um, you got a job as the reporter at uh, the Maui Sun, you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long did you do that for? About two and a half years. Two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Then then, what was your progression from there? Well,
1: th- that paper failed. Um, and It actually became the Kihei newspaper. Um, not too much. Too the owner of it took it over to Kihei and started up another paper over there. But uh, I got picked up by the Maui News, and so I started working as, uh, as a reporter basically as a government reporter for the Maui News, which I did for close to a decade. And what were some of the, the big stories that, that you recall? Oh, there was big fights over McKenna, uh, development in McKenna, um, a lot of development fights. Um, um, the Probably one of the biggest fights was over the West Maui Airport, because um, there used to be a little landing field kind of airport on the um, right next to Kanapali, and it was Almost felt like a military airport where the lower airplanes would be zooming in and out all the time. Um, and then, uh, Kountapolly wanted its land back, uh, so the airport had to move. So they moved it. They were trying to move it up to where it is now, and you, that that community split right in half. I mean, it split right in half. I mean, it was people weren't talking to each other. It was just it all became all became enemies. It was really kind of uh, really kind of unfortunate that it took that much grief and effort. Um, The good part was they got uh, stipulations, um, the the opposition got stipulations that there wouldn't be any jet aircraft, and there wouldn't be a lot of helicopter aircraft out of there. I don't think they have any allowed at all now. Um, Helicopters probably could have worked if they went MOLCA, wouldn't have bothered anybody, but the jet aircraft could have been a problem. And so the runway's short, it doesn't really accommodate jet aircraft. And, and kind of, and it was amazing. A lot of the the people that opposed it the most got on their next airplanes and took off. I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's just the, the funny nature of things uh, that that happens like that. Um, um, but yeah, that that, that the, the McKenna stories were, were pretty uh, amazing. Helicopters were a big thing too. Um, there was a lot of complaints about the, the tour helicopters flying over people's homes. Mm-hmm. Um, on the east side, especially, I think down to the waterfall country and stuff like that.
0: So you covering politics for so long and then being involved in politics, um, you've been on Maui for how long? Now? Forty years now. So 40 years. In your time, how have you seen the arguments change and the discourse change? Um, or, or how have you seen it stay the same?
1: I think we're seeing a sea change right now um uh in the sense of this new- whole, uh, group of Hawaiian um millennials um uh, that are coming up into the politics um and um uh, there's also fuel i think it's fueled by a couple of things i think it's fueled by um the rise of the um the hawaiian Renaissance um uh, became that's a, a term for the return of the Hawaiian culture um it it came from um i and soul of people but it uh, also came out of a constitutional um law that um uh, was created around nineteen seventy eight um that was established rights to like language schools and stuff like that um cultural programs that um Basically, endowed uh, ideology, the, the, and, and that's what we're seeing now. Is this ideology is the the Mauna Kea ideology? Uh, it's it's grown out of that, um, and I, I see a direct direct line to that. Um, the other the other part of that, the change in the, in the sea change in politics is is is, um, is technology. I mean, it, we, you know, it's the uh, the Arab Springization of Hawaii. Um, mm. You know, so. I <laughs> I spent close to 40 years working in, in the council chambers one, in one form or another. Um, and it really shocked me the first time I saw the anti-GMO uh, people show up because it was really different than anything I'd seen before. 30-some people, like 35 people spoke on, on what was really a procedural um, the discussion over like w- what committee a, a bill was going to be sent to or something like that, but 35 people spoke. Other people were in the room, and the 35 speakers were almost in unison in what they were saying. They were like coming from a, a script basically saying, you know, I, I didn't know anything about this yesterday, but I got my Facebook notice to be here, and I'm here, and I'm talking, and most were not head cases. Most were really clear-headed, clear-speaking, um, you know, people making an argument that, um, that was, you know, relatively impressive. And the other thing that struck me was these are 35 people I didn't know. Mm. Pretty rare for me to be in a room and hear that heard a lot of people speak and me not being able to take off. Well, that's Joe, and this is what Joe does, and this is where he's coming from. Um, You know, after after a while, everything was very predictable. And this was not predictable. This was very different. Um, And that's what we're seeing happening in the council chambers now, I think, is a lot of that voice, um, unified voice, is coming in really strong, whether you agree with it or not. It's it's an impact.
0: Do you worry about that?
1: You know, I do and I don't. I mean, it's democracy. It's a form of democracy. Um, I'm worried about, I think... um, I think I worry about the lack of balance to it, mm. and so this is one generation is bringing their voices. There's another gen, other generations out there that aren't being heard because it's not participating at that level, or can't participate at that level because they got real jobs. Yeah, I don't know whether all those thirty-five people had real jobs or not. I've seen cases where the same kind of, I don't know. I want to. I don't want to call the mob kind of a, approach, but I've seen, you know, you know, people getting you know, getting all worked up over what to me seems to be really the peripheral stuff. Like, what are you going to do with the stones coming out of Yale Valley after a flood? I mean, if we have to treat them all sacred or what? Um, that kind of stuff drives me a little bit nuts. Um, and I've seen housing projects go down based on uh, on that, that that you know a call to arms kind of thing. Everybody shows up and says, This is bad then they don't have a clue why, but they know it's bad. Yeah. And and because they were told to be there and, th- and there they are. Um you know, it's it's you know, if if again if you agree with what, what they're what they're arguing, then it's a great thing because it brings them power. Uh, it brings that group power. Um, but if it's you know, I worry about the lack of balance, the lack of you know, the impact on on stuff like housing. Yeah. Uh, because uh, they tend to be that group tends to be NIMBY, or not in my backyard, and um, and then when, you know, you know, politicians are politicians. They're gonna they were gonna react more to the people in the room than than not because that's the people they're hearing at the moment. So they can, you know, fifty people in the room all shouting the same thing. It's gonna move the room.
0: Mm. I worry about that. I, you know, I'm I'm with you. It is a form of, of democracy. Um, I, I certainly like it. I'm happy that people are participating. But the the main thing that I worry about is that, um, especially what we've seen uh, regarding elections and and like national elections and, and international interference with them, is that we're really susceptible to manipulation. Just as individual humans. Oh yes.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. Really. And I am, yeah. I mean everybody is. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and so the you and I, we full disclosure, we're lobbyists. Um, you know, that's that's what we've had to register as. Um I like to think of us more as political. I like to put advocates. myself in the past test. Yeah, you you, you were. Um I, I actively am though the more it's I, I don't like the term, but we're aware of, of the techniques that people use. My mother
1: did not go happily to the grave knowing I was a lobbyist. Yeah.
0: <laughs> My parents still don't know what I do. Oh, yeah. The the thing is, though, we we know the people who put together the types of advertisements and and um, mailers to get people to come out for an issue. Um, So so you and I are both kind of aware of of the strategy that's involved in messaging Mm -hmm. um, and the graphics that you use, and even down to the color schemes that people use in the emails that they they send. The buttons, yeah, Mm -hmm. and you know. One of the, the issues that I've been rambling on about lately, and I'm not going to go into to detail, is, is this Lahaina Injection Well case. Um, but the Sierra Club sent out a, um, a mailer, and it's, it's beautiful. It, it made me want to agree with them. It has nothing to do with the law. It doesn't actually reference any of the specifics of the Supreme Court case that's being discussed. Um, it doesn't explain the legal aspects of, of the arguments. The person who signed off on it um, is now the head of the Sierra Club on Maui, and she also has a business website where she takes people on sacred tours into Iao Valley and to, to secret Heiaus, And she also happens to believe she's a, an ancient descendant of the Lemurian civilization from many lifetimes ago. Um, but she was able to put out an email that's very convincing, and she's going to mobilize probably. Uh, well, she didn't do it. Some professional did it for. Her. Some professional did it for. But yeah. but they're probably going to get you know a hundred people. Uh, in blue shirts to come out, and not a single one of them probably knows about the Supreme Court case. They don't know about the Clean Water Act or the Safe Drinking Water Act. They don't know that this lady claims to to be from an ancient civilization from a 100 past lives ago. Um, And that's kind of irrelevant when it comes to to issue mobilization uh, in a lot of ways. And that's, that's why I'm afraid, because those techniques that we've seen used to manipulate, you know, mass groups of people on a national level. We're seeing that same technique uh, or those same techniques being implemented here on Maui. That's kind of how the, um,
1: um, what's the name of the, uh, the group, the, around 2010, um, the, the right-wing group, um, Grassroots. Oh. I'm um, just not it's, this is one of the reasons I retired. Things don't pop in my head that quick anymore. <laughs> but um, um, the, you know, the guys who came out so heavily against Obama.
0: Um, are you talking about the Grassroots Institute of Hawaii, or are you talking about nationally the yeah, tea bag? The tea, guys? the, tea, the, the yeah, tea party people. Tea
1: party people, yeah. I mean, it, they started off organically, but they got co-opted by people like the Koch brothers, mm. and um, and in that corporate world, uh, the you know, it's, you know, profited at all. all all, by all means, and um, and that 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 whole methodology got totally co-opted. That's why anybody. That's why the Republicans have to stay so much in line with with the ideology. Otherwise, they get pounded to death by these guys. I mean, they get really pounded to death. Um, and yeah, you know, if you want to stay in office, then you have to bow down to it, because they'll they'll just mob you. And. So they, 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 that that technology works both with left and right. I mean, oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. The problem is, is how to. The thing I've been wrestling with lately is, is how to reach the middle and ever and see if you can ever activate the middle to be middle. Mm. And, you know, people aren't so passionate about being in the middle. I mean, you're passionate about being, you know, for the people or for you know freedom or whatever you're describing. Um, And, you know, this thing. yeah, I'm all for balance doesn't get too excited, you know. Um, maybe you could call it New Balance. I don't know. Um, but, you know, you know, what makes me think about that is uh, that uh, I don't know whether you saw the Civil Beat um, uh, poll that came out about two, mo- two weeks ago. Yeah. To me, that really speaks to, like, there's another constituency sitting out there, but they're not Facebook people.
0: Well, why don't you tell the listeners what the the poll was about?
1: You know, the poll, uh, so Civil Beat's really kind of well-known for doing really strong polls that really have meaningfulness. When I say polls, I don't mean self-identifying people going online and clicking yes or no or something. This is a telephone poll done by professionals who work off a list to try to to create a balanced uh, response. Um, And the poll worked itself out, a real professional poll, worked itself out to um it was kind of like a a, a split was like sixty thirty uh for um for the telescope, uh, 60, 63-37 or something like that for for um for the telescope being built on Mauna Kea. um and then it broke out um the far majority of um a big hunk of local constituency were for the telescope. So the, the Japanese community, the Chinese community, the Filipino community, and most of the white community uh, bent toward pro-telescope, pro-that pro that, that direction. Uh, the Hawaiian community split in half. Wow. Um, and, um, and where the real division happened was um, the millennials tended to be anti-telescope, and the older folks tend to be pro, um, and significantly. I mean, it kind of broke out that way. Um, and um, I forget how it broke out on the island. So. But the chapter and verse is really worth, uh, I think, is a, a real touchstone uh, presentation of where our politics are today, even though it's about one topic. But it's, it kind of shows you, when you really punch some buttons, what you get. And um, uh, so that speaks to a middle ground there. They're the, they're the people who are pro telescope are willing to face the emotionalism and 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 the um, the um, sense of entitlement that, that the other side has, um, and, and say, no, I'm sorry, I don't agree with you. Um, to, but they're not going to high up. I mean, how do you hang up a, a, tele, um, a telescope flag? I mean, there isn't one. So, so I mean, how do, how do you articulate? Would you do that? Especially if you're 50 years old, you're not going to run around with a, a flag fly, flying from your car. I mean, most of them are I mean, it would be a football team if you are. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I um, but yeah, I think that was very telling uh, how how the community split on that. Uh, it's very interesting that that a minority is really pulling pulling the position, that successfully pulling the position that they are I'm, I'm on a camp.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important to to recognize that for a lot of issues, especially when it comes to um, what you would consider civil rights issues, majority opinion isn't necessarily the best, best dictation of, of where uh, we should go with our policies are... Not necessarily. Or, either, not right, necessarily.
1: Right, right. Otherwise we would be still in Jim Crow. Yeah,
0: yeah. exactly. Um, but it is very telling that the, the narrative that I've been seeing is that an overwhelming majority of people are opposed to this telescope. Um, and you're absolutely right. When, when you actually run the numbers and you get down to it, the, the picture that's being painted by social media is not necessarily the picture that, that you're going to see inside people's homes. Um, and in actual communities. Yep.
1: Yeah. Well, the people who are most of the people who are taking the, the opposite p- Perspectives are on social media. Yeah, you know, it's a
0: generational thing. That's you know I hadn't really considered it until we got on to this topic, but when did you start as GAD? 07. Uh, so you started in 07 um, and I guess YouTube didn't really come around until two thousand eight and Facebook's, you know, features as far as its its news feed and, and following people didn't really come around until two thousand ten or or even later, something like that.
1: I, I couldn't help you then I don't go there.
0: Yeah. Well that must have did you notice an an impact, a, a change with the rise of social media well, as I, far as you I were Well, I put, you know,
1: like that the, the one scenario I told you about. Yeah. You know, you know, I think that's exactly what it was.
0: That's spot yeah, on. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, I you know, I saw that and I realized, we, you know, you have to be able to react to it. I just wasn't, you know, somehow I wasn't psychologically capable of doing it. <laughs> I just wasn't able to make myself sit in front of uh, Facebook. I was just, I mean... So much of what goes on there is nonsense and and, and propaganda. I mean, and you you can only, after a while, you're just shouting into the wind. Yeah. You know.
0: I I had a mentor named Paul Sully um, when I was in Peace Corps, and he was our director of programming and training for our post in Uganda. And one of the things that he said to me was that in order to be successful at any job, you need to be able to delineate between noise and sound. Um, and that's taking on this role as GAD, I've noticed that that's particularly important because whenever I take a look at Facebook, it seems like a whole lot, a lot of noise. noise. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the sound, I'm still, still working out how to figure out what the sound is, um, when well, faced with I all I guess the
1: sound is what it
0: means. Yeah. You know, you know. Yeah. I mean, some of the issues really are, um, pretty big, but but I tend to find that that what is being explained for an issue on Facebook um, usually isn't really what the issue means uh, or, or what the impact is as far as like the unintended consequences of, of legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really sort of a non-controversial one that, that recently I was thinking of an issue that came up was um, visitability standards. Visitability standards. Um, I don't know what that means. So what it is, is it's actually a great idea. Uh, The idea is that people need to be able to age in place. They need to to be able to find homes that are suitable for them as they age and grow older. So visitability standards, um, it's building standards for new construction that complies with, it's like a step below ADA standards. Um, So wider doorways. What's the verb? Visit. Visitability
1: like it sounds like invisible you know, like being able to see
0: it sounds like visible but but i think the root is more the visit oh
1: visit like to be able to, to, yeah, yeah, to yeah to be you, able you, to go you, to a place yeah.
0: so so like one of the the standards is is at least 10 step entry so you'd have to have a ramp mm. simple enough um it sounds like one of those no-brainers. Of course, we need to do this. Ideas, but when you actually look at the the standards that have been implemented elsewhere and that are being considered for here, um, you know, I'm sure some of the people listening, all five of them, um, know of at least a property that might not be suitable for a, a zero-step entry, or or where the stairs are located. You might not be able to put a ramp because of the geography of mm-hmm. the the lot. Right. Um, And then they don't take into account the fact that uh, if you talk to to a builder, space equals money. So let's say you need a doorway that can fit a wheelchair through it. That doorway needs to be approximately three feet wide. Right. That means the hallway that that leads to to that doorway has to be about five feet wide now. hmm. Um, Oh, really? you know, give or take. You, know, you so could have six about inches on each side, it could yeah, be four, four feet wide, uh-huh. um, but if you have a foot on each side, then, then that's six feet, or uh, five feet, so. Um, that's a lot of space. That's a lot of space. And, you know, it's, in this world with social media and where everything's being recorded and where you can be misquoted um, and taken out of context, it's sort of scary for me to, to have to go testify and explain, this is a great idea, but keep in mind that this will increase building costs. And if you make this standard applicable across the board, if we're trying to build affordable housing projects, then that extra foot of space, that might knock a few housing units out. Then it's really easy for somebody who hasn't taken the time to, to study the issue, hasn't taken the time to, to research the, the unintended consequences, for them to point a finger at you and say, well, this jerk is against old people living (laughs) yeah well (laughs) which i'm not i love old people (laughs) but i guess that's that's one of the um the troubles of the trade um you took your role with ram after 10 years at at maui news well no i was um i i took
1: it after eight years of uh, being the executive assistant to mayor lingle
0: oh okay
1: so, so I went from the Maui News to working for Merrill Engel, in her in her direct office. As, a, as an executive assistant. How was that? Torturous. Uh, it was torturous. Uh, I mean, it was it was interesting for me because I, I really identified with being a reporter, I was really identified with being a journalist. Suddenly, I'm in in the, in the the Falcon. I'm in the in the seat where I can see all the issues and all all like, all the stories. But I can't talk about them, <laughs> and I better not talk about them because everybody's going to know where to leak from. <laughs> you know, so, um, so that, it was like walking through the looking glass. Um,
0: How did you fall into that position? It's
1: a small town. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a big deal. I mean, uh, um, she needed a writer.
0: Okay, so get a yeah. journalist you know, who's who knows politics.
1: Yeah, we knew each other really well. I mean, she became. She first got elected when, on the council when I first started working the council. So I followed her for her 10 years on the council. And then and she was one of the few articulate, interesting council members that weren't, you know, one set of guys. And she, she was really an interesting person to, to cover.
0: What were some of the—well, what did you do as executive assistant for, for Lingle?
1: Uh, most of the writing, including the State of the County speech. She created the, the State of the County speech. It wasn't one before her. Um, uh, I uh, did the legislative program. I did the boards and commissions. I did uh, veterans. I did um, something else. Oh, the bicycle program.
0: What, um, what are you most proud of from your time working for the mayor's office?
1: The whiplashes on my back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, she was she was a sea changer. I mean, the way we do our budget now, she she recreated our budget. Uh, she she was a very um, uh, wide open kind of person. Came from a totally different perspective. Um, very bright. Sometimes a little bit too self-opinionated and not, didn't want to hear all the other thoughts. Mm. So you get, you, I got beat up more than once for opening my mouth at the wrong time. Um, but, um, yeah, personally, I think I the bicycle program. But um, she, was the, she was the one that created the boards and commission system, you know, where you apply.
2: Mm.
1: That, was, that was her, and I was the guy running it. Uh, I, ran it for the, I ran it for her, and then I ran it for Arocawa. Um. So. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know, uh, we did uh, did some good writing, and um. And we got some some decent legislation. Oh yeah. Also, I was in charge of uh, land acquisition, so um, I actually walk my dog in a park um most mornings uh, that I help buy.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: Or, or or ride my bicycle on the bike path that I helped create. So so that's yeah, there's a sense of ownership and kind of uh like I don't know have you ever heard of the Japanese movie Ikiru? No. It's about um about a guy, the bureaucrat, didn't do much for anybody, couldn't care less kind. And he gets a gets a diagnosis that he's going to die and decides he better go do something for society before he goes.
0: This, um, I'm sorry, but I couldn't help but think of Joe versus the volcano. Yeah, um, something like that. Yeah. Which isn't so much about society, but
1: yeah, but this was this, you know, this was very much, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's one of the Japanese classics.
0: I'll have to check that out. Yeah, Ikiru. You you likened it to uh, going through the Looking Glass, as somebody who covered politics for so long, when you were finally in the world. Um, as, as an active player in there. Was there anything that surprised you about how our system works or, or just the even the interpersonal relationship aspects of it?
1: It was interesting at that time. It was a, time, a sea change because Lingle was the first non-Maui-born person to be mayor, I believe. Um, she was the first female. Um, nobody seemed interested in the fact that she was also Jewish because you don't do that too much for but you know she was Jewish as well. Um, I think she was single at the time. Oh no, I think she had built, married to Bill Carracler, and he was like a major, a major player uh, in the background kind of intellectual attorney type. Um, and the the label for the county building when she took over was the White House because she was she was hiring Holly people. And before that there was very few Holly people were working in the White House in 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 the county building. That was an unusual thing. It was a handful of guys. And um and yeah, so when half the half the directors were suddenly white, it kind of threw some people off. Yeah. But she was conscious of it. She made sure she had a she had a um, a Hawaiian uh, um a managing director and and the male the balance out the, the her femaleness, and she she was very very astute that way.
0: Have you ever had an issue in this landscape um, because you you kind of brought up the the odd racial dynamic um, or or maybe cultural dynamic? The White House, you know, hiring uh-huh. a bunch of white people to to a position um, that has been. So my wife is is from Hawaii, or she's from Maui, born and raised. But but she's told me that um, it, it was hard for her as as a white person at the time growing up when she was a kid because there weren't that many, and they were kind of um, a, a subject of ridicule in the schools. The a ridicule the and picked
1: on, yeah. You know? Yeah, used to be a thing called holiday. What's that? The kids would get beat up. Oh. Yeah. It yeah. I mean, that was, I mean, I think in any community you're going to do that. I mean, they're doing that in India right now. They're much worse. I mean, mm. so, I mean, it's just kind of the nature of, you know, it's the human condition, I think. You know, when another group comes in and they're, they're muscling in and they're sharp and they're fast and you're going to hold your position and, you, you know, knock them back a couple of steps. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes the people coming in deserve to be knocked back a couple of steps. Who knows? I mean, it's just the way it is. It's just a, it's a, a, a change in acceptance and practice, and um, you know, um, yeah. I, I slid in sideways that way because uh, because I'm married to a Japanese or a Japanese language instructor, so a lot of people in the Japanese community respected my wife, so mm-hmm. it wasn't like we were really totally outsiders, even though we were outsiders, and. Um, I remember picking up my kid one time at Cahadoy School and this little Filipino boy looks up at him and looks at me and goes, That's your dad?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but it's, you know, That's the beauty of Hawaii, though. I mean, that's you know, the melting pot and how we work together. There's going to be rough edges all, all the time.
0: Yeah, and I, I really do think, um, you know, because I grew up in New York, and historically they like to tout that New York is the melting pot. Um, but I, I think so much more Hawaii kind of fits that, that characteristic, the, the characteristics of the melting pot, um, in a lot of ways. Like, New York is kind of a stew. You, you have all these different ingredients, but all of them stay in their sort of present form. More like a
1: patchwork, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's a
0: patchwork. Yeah, a quilt or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas, has Hawaii, like, really cultures mix and mingle? I mean, both sort of by marriage, but, but also just... (laughs) Um, even with cuisine, you see all these different cultures I think joined it, together. I, I think that had
1: really happened a lot, before a the result of the plantation system. Mm. I mean, even though they, the, the plantation bosses worked to keep them separate, the different groups separate, they, the, they managed to find themselves. You know, uh, I mean, they went to school together, and yeah. and it became you know Joe down the block. It wasn't Joe the Hawaiian or Joe the Japanese. It was just Joe. So, and. You know, the kids, you know, just learn to melt together, the group.
0: Now, with your, your time in the, the lingual administration, um, this is sort of a silly question, but was there ever something that you felt um, you screwed up on? You, if you had a do-over, if you had a mulligan, uh, what would you take it on? Well...
1: I personally didn't have that much authority, mm. uh, Lingle held all the cards, I mean, so there were things that I think she screwed up on um <laughs> as, as, you know that um that we could have done differently, like we could have owned all of all of wall for six million dollars um but we didn't do it um and that left the door open to guys like peter martin um but you know it's used. She had a she had a perspective about money that was pretty not unique but pretty you know um, tight. Mm-hmm. She wanted to hold on to money. You know she wouldn't wouldn't go out and splurge. You know? that was the difference between her and Arakawa. Arakawa was dying to buy that thing. He was stomping his feet and couldn't get up. Couldn't get enough motion um, going in that direction.
0: So after the Lingle administration you kept on working for for
1: No, after I, I became uh let's see yeah, after that I became a realtor. And I was a realtor for about seven years. Um and I um and then uh, after starving to death for about six months I, I took on an editing job. Actually the newspaper that I worked for before, the Maui Sun had morphed into another newspaper which morphed into A third paper, which was called the Maui Maui Weekly in Kīhei, and uh, and I became the editor of that one for about three years, and it was a wild ride. It's like um, you remember the old TV show WKRP in Cincinnati? Yeah, yeah, it was equivalent to that in the newspaper form, (laughs) if you could imagine. (laughs) And I don't want to get into the details because it's personalities, but I mean, uh, I don't know. (laughs) It was it was amazing. and and I was selling real estate at the same time, which was tricky. Uh, but that was the deal I had with the publisher. You know, I get the paper out on time. Uh, if I got to go do a showing or something, I'm doing that, and I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> did you enjoy being a realtor? Not really. No, I think that's why I slid away from it. I didn't. I didn't stay with it for long. I did did it. I, I may have enjoyed it more if I didn't, I didn't have to actually kill it to eat it, you know, kind of thing, Mm. but I I really needed to, you know, have a young family, and uh, at that point we had a mortgage, we bought a place out in Haiku, and um, I didn't have a mortgage, we had a mortgage, and it was, you know, it was kind of tight and rough, Um, so, but I knew the transition out of Lingles was going to be rough anyway, because, um, I knew I didn't want to follow her. She was going to run for governor, and she just missed running, being elected, but even if she got elected, I wasn't going to go with her. I wasn't going to go to the wall hoop, uh, just to do that. And um, um, So, I needed to have something that would, I didn't need permission to get the job, you know. I didn't have to get a corporate approval or, 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 you know, and the Maui News is kind of weird in the sense of once you've worked in government then you're forever um, uh, on the other side of the, you're beyond the fold. You, you can't work in journalism there anymore. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so they consider you tainted. That's a, that's the term I was looking for, tainted, yeah.
0: Do you think that's a reasonable position? Not in a
1: small town, no. It's kind of silly, but I mean, that, that's just the way they were. I would have died to have gone back there. but uh, It wasn't happening. And so I didn't have to worry about that. And so I, I kind of enjoyed doing running that little weekly. That was that was kind of fun uh, in a way. If, if if it was only paying me like thirty thirty, like thirty thousand a year or something like that. I mean it was like nothing really. And, but between that and 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 the uh, uh, closings, uh, I was able to cobble together a, a livelihood, And it only put me in the hospital once.
0: What were you in the hospital for?
1: AFib. Yeah. Oh. yeah. My heart went out of sync.
0: How you doing now?
1: I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, it happens occasionally.
0: So, you were in politics, or you were in journalism, then politics. Um, when you got out of politics, you couldn't go back to the paper that you wanted to. right? Were you ever tempted to pursue politics yourself, to to seek elected office? No,
1: I, I actually asked a couple of friends of mine if I ever took out papers just to shoot me and put me out of my head. <laughs> just put me out of you know just you know, shoot me in the head and make it go away. Why go through all that pain? Because uh, <laughs> yeah, I just don't see myself as a leadership type.
0: I am um, recently. I think somebody was being very nice and gracious to me, and they had suggested that I, I pursue uh, elected office. And I had the same exact conversation with my wife and friends. I said, if, if I really start ever no talking way. about it, if I sound like I'm even remotely interested, you'd need to, to just take me out to the woods. Yep, and, and really. Knock yeah. some sense into me. This <laughs> I
1: mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's a functional personality. It really is. It's just a function of personality. Some people need to you know, have. Um, yeah, I have a person in mind, but I'm not going to say his name now because <laughs> you're the three guys listening, and will also know who that is. But um, <laughs> but you know, some people just you know they have a real inclination to go there. I mean, I mean psychologically, they they just go there. My best story about this is Alan Alarcala. Um, so we were at. Um, Uh, I think it was a uh, a walk for the Humane Society. We all had dogs. We all had dogs. and just walk around Kipolani Park. And um, Alan Alan had the station, his wife and him. It was not a, a race. It wasn't a parade where there was a lead or anything like that. But he had to lead the parade. So he had actually positioned himself deliberately to be in front of everybody else so he could be the leader of the parade. Even nobody else gave a <laughs> damn, but he had to do it i mean it's just it was just you know it's a function of personality he he had to be the leader and um and then it's, not, it's not good or bad, it's just not me, yeah, and i'm just I'm not inclined that way
0: i think um I think you're the second person who has shared that story with me maybe it was me twice, <laughs> maybe it was <wins> you twice
1: because <laughs> it's very indicative of the type you know, yeah, yeah and it, it just speaks to, you know, people, and it's not bad, we need to have leaders, mm. so, I mean, if the people who are inclined to do that, go for it, I hope you got the wherewithal to do it well, but, you know, that's uh, the big, the maybe, big trick. but still, I mean, somebody's got to do it, somebody's got to take leadership, and, and, yeah, I and mean, then, I guess if you know it really came down to an emergency or something like that, and I'm the one guy that understands what's going around, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to leave. But I'm, I'm just not inclined to do that naturally. I'm not gonna go pull, take papers out and celebrate my name. Yeah. Because it was kind of awkward because there was a de Leon uh, running for council two elections back, and it was <laughs> the gentleman out of Kihei and he was running against Don Couch, and I was working for <laughs> Don Couch. <laughs> he kept on looking at me like, uh, "Are you sure you're on our side?" <laughs> and, yeah, I, no I, I, I forget what his name, uh, first name was. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was seeing my my name on bumper stick, on on on, uh, on bumper stickers all over the,
0: the town. And it was like, "Weird." Did you buy any of those bumper stickers? No, no, no. Oh, <laughs> see, I, I probably would have bought a couple just to, to have them. Well, where do
1: you buy them? I mean, you have to get them from the candidate. Yeah, I guess you know. so. But if it has yeah. your name on it, and um,
0: yeah, you know, clearly it didn't work out for him. So
1: that's that's indicative of something, yeah. That's <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, so you worked um, worked in the papers. Now, now let's jump into your time as as gad for Ram.
1: Well, you forgot my period was with Alan.
0: I spent four years with Alan. You spent too. four years with Alan Arakawa too. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about that because I'm I'm actually a. Um, I am fascinated by Alan Arakawa as as mayor, just because that man says things in public forums that I would avoid saying, even in private. Um, hmm. What do you think was was his secret to success with with having um, some discretion issues with with how he spoke?
1: I don't think people took him that
0: seriously. <laughs> And you think that helped him. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't think people were really listening.
0: Yeah. Well, what did you, what did you do for, for Alan?
1: I was chief of staff.
0: And and
1: basically helped him run his office. And, and I did boards and commissions at the same time and writing.
0: Was it very similar or somewhat different from your time working under the Lingle administration?
1: Uh, opposite.
0: Opposite? Yeah.
1: I mean... Lingle was totally uh, controlling and, and directed. Um, Alan was pretty free-flowing, and people did pretty much what they <laughs> wanted to do. And even when he got direction, sometimes they did what they wanted to do. And kept on doing it with impunity.
0: Did it work, in your opinion?
1: No. No, I mean... And, and we lost, you know, the next time around. Mm-hmm. And, and And to some degree, we deserved it.
0: Do you have any, any, any good tales from, from your time as Chief of Staff for Alan Orakawa?
1: Hmm. Yeah, well, actually, we were sitting in one main plaza. Um, Alan made an intelligent choice to try to acquire this building. A&B was offering it for ten million dollars. And um, we had offices scattered all over the place. And um, and obviously the county building wasn't going to hold the county. I mean, it was, it was too big. Uh, so we were paying a lot of, I think, a couple million dollars for rent a month, a year. So I mean, it was like, you know, pay for uh, itself, pretty much five th- years. And, and you know, and there's corporate. There was other other tenants in here that would help cover the bill. Yeah, you, know, you wouldn't have to fill it up with county people, and you wouldn't have to pay the whole thing yourself. And. Um, and the county council in its wisdom said, no, because we don't want to give Alan O'Connor a win. <laughs> and uh, the leader of that pack was Dane Connie. And to this day, I always call him uh, one main Dane. Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, they they, they shot that down. The, I mean, the county could have owned this building. And and it has, you know, it has some, some issues. I mean, it doesn't have good um, um, access for the disabled. I mean, there's some stuff that might have had them been done, but the building's in wonderful shape. Yeah. There was a good study done. I mean, our cow guys did a great study of the building. Uh, Dave Taylor did it, and, um, and he, you know Dave Taylor, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, well, he, he's an engineer. He went through this whole thing came back and said you know you know, you might have to replace a little couple of things here and there but this is a good And logic did not, did not apply yeah. it was pure politics I've and you cut off your nose to spite your face kind of politics
0: well you know it's interesting you bring that up because to me my perception as, as somebody who's pretty new to the Maui scene is that there tends to be a, a fair bit of butting heads between the executive and the county council. Um, is that common in in your time observing politics on Maui? Yes,
1: yes, absolutely. I think the best example of that was um, there was this guy named Tom Merle. Um If you ever go over to the Fourth Marine Park, you'll see the equestrian center in the back is named after him. Um, Tom um, used to campaign on horses. You know, he'd be out on the, the side of the road riding a horse and, and campaigning. Uh, he was from New Jersey, but he considered himself a cowboy. Um, and he um, he ran for council as a pro-business Republican and sat down in his chair and became a. a He became became an environmentalist the moment he sat down in his chair and started attacking the the Republican mayor. Wow. Uh, Just like that. Bang. It was like, (laughs) I think think it comes to the room. I'm not too sure, but it seemed like almost, you know, like, like, almost like a gene change happened as, as he was sitting there.
0: Yeah, he, so he ran and got elected as, as a very pro business Republican. Pro
1: business, you know, getting along, you know, no indication he had a problem with the mayor at all. And then um, sits down and immediately attacks the mayor and becomes an environmentalist.
0: Do you think that, that it's a common strategy just to disagree with the mayor if you're on the county council?
1: No, I think it's kind of structural. Structural? Yeah, I think it kind of leans, you know, you got. We can't have we can't have two corporation councils. So you always have the problem with the corporation council being hired by the mayor, and that that job's torturous trying to split the difference between those two sides. Um, and then you have a tendency. Uh, well, the, the structure, the charter, is set up for a hard uh, 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 called a hard mayor. I mean, uh, it's a, um, you know it's supposed to be the executive mayor. I mean, supposed to lead. Um, And the council has a tendency to have people who also want to lead, Mm. and so you know they're gonna. And their job is to set policy. So you got one leader and you got policy setters. So how are they different? You know, so so they they, you know they'll often try to set policy without having a good sense of the administrative impacts, and that kind of tension goes back and forth all the time. It used to happen in the budget, awfully. I mean, just get, you get stuff that get all wiped out on the budget. Um, now there's more discretion in the budget, budget, so they can they can move money around a little easier. That's a lingual thing.
0: What did you think of the budget process this go around? I didn't follow it. You didn't follow it? No,
1: I've kind of backed away from following the council. Mm. Uh, if I'm not, if I don't have um, a reason to, uh, stay away from it because this makes my skin crawl.
0: Okay. If, uh, if you could change the structure of things, would you? Like, like is there anything that you would change as far as how, how the county government is structured?
1: The last election scared the living crap out of I me mean, because we had, you know, a mayor, mayor candidates, so neither one of them were very strong. Well, one of them was really, I mean, uh, a pro- if she got elected, it would have been a real problem. I mean, cause she was not very bright and had very really strong opinions. It was a bad, a bad combination. Um, and I kind of remind people of the, when they complain about the current mayor that that was the choice. <laughs> so I had actually been one of the main um, opponents to the county manager system um, because what was happening at the time it was being proposed, it was just like, we're going to slam this in here and it hadn't been worked out. It hadn't been really ran through the community. People haven't had a chance to even consider what it was. They were going to try to ram it through. Um, And it needed—I mean, it was mainly people from California and places that had county managers, though part of their genetic system is county manager, Um, and having that different layer of—you take the politics a little bit away from the the decision-making. and uh, and so I really resisted that, because I think our community needs needs to have, a, um, given the nature of our community, I think it needs to have a father or a mother figure, um, you know, the leader, somebody that people can look up to, that, that entity, that person, the persona. Um, and I think when you have a county manager, you have a tendency to um, confuse people, because they think the mayor is the, the leader. Mm. And when the, the mayor had some authority, but not necessarily the authority they think he has or she has. Uh, and I think that's particularly true in multicultural communities, because people have more of that expectation of, of, a, of a single person as a leader. Um, uh, and, and, and I think if you look at the studies I saw, it just kind of bears itself out. Um, a lot of them, the county managing communities have really low turnouts. Um, Ferguson, for instance, had like a 15 percent. It has a county manager, but it has 15 percent turnout. Um, you know, That's part of the problem there was that people were totally disengaged from the government altogether. Yeah. Um, but in any case, um, the last election kind of started turning my head going the other way because, I mean, even if we have a total screw-up become mayor, at least we'll have the... Bu- you know if somebody has a hands on the switches and knows what they're doing yeah and you know it won't screw up our our finances it won't screw up our our functionality
0: yeah honestly it kind of appeals to me too that that notion i think um i really like nerdy people who aren't very exciting who are good at their jobs mm-hmm. to be in in decision making roles um the problem with those people is they often have a hard time getting elected to things because they're not very exciting and they don't get people to turn out right to elections. Right. Um, I mean, Hillary Clinton, smart person who is very unlikable too. Um, in yeah, a lot of ways. Not she's not a great example. Yeah. Um, no, no, but I mean, but there's I mean, there's something to it though, where where when you can attack somebody's personality and disregard um, any competency uh that, well the, that's an issue but that was that was a, a study program of twenty five years
1: of tearing her her apart oh yeah I mean that was there's a whole think tank, tank in, in in Florida that existed just for that purpose, yeah, just for that purpose I'll never
0: understand why just just why they, they because kept they, they wanted her. the the blocker yeah
1: you know, well they knew she was coming and they wanted the blocker
0: i I understand why the uh the Republican Party had, had a 25 year program um, to block her. I, I just I don't, don't know understand. the it's in the
1: Republican Party. I think it was something deeper than that. But, but let's I think not so. Go there. I, I agree with you. Yeah. It, let,
0: let, we can label it the right, but yeah. I think it went beyond the Republican Party. I, I think you're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, it's more like
1: that. the Mercer family and those guys.
0: Yeah. And, and it's, it's one of those things where I, I still, I'll never understand um, why the Democratic Party really thought that was a, a bright idea. To, to fully get behind Hillary, um, but we
2: we don't need She
1: lined up the chips. She
0: did, but
1: Bernie was going to get win. You don't think so? Absolutely not. Really? No, oh, come on, uh, really? Come on, a socialist. It was not in this country. Are you kidding? I, it's not going to happen. I don't know, Dave. Uh, well, uh, you know, and then if the only millennials vote,
0: yeah, sure. Well, he, he would have gotten a lot more millennials out than, than came out, I think.
1: Well, that's because they, they worked that perfectly. They
0: worked that perfectly.
1: They, you know, they, you know, they dropped the emails at the right time, pissed off all the, the millennials. They all ran away. They took the bait and left.
0: There's that. I, I think there's the deeper issue, though, issue, though where Trump was—the greatest example I can think of is the Access Hollywood tape. So everybody thought the Access Hollywood tape was going to tank Trump with yeah. you know him on the bus with Billy Bush talking about grabbing women you know, and yeah, all that jazz. Yeah. Um, that, was, that was released the day of or the day before the debate between him and Hillary Clinton. And it became an issue that Hillary Clinton couldn't use to attack Donald Trump because the night of the debate, he walked out with uh, four women that have accused Bill Clinton of raping them. Right. Um, Yeah, he's brilliant that way. Absolutely brilliant. And, you know, skeezy, you know, sleazy, skeezy, all these these other words you could use to describe it, but political move, very smart. But that made it so that you couldn't really point out the, the negative side of Donald Trump without somebody equally being able to point out, well, the Clintons did X, Y, and Z. Yeah,
1: and she was involved in some of that. Yeah, damn.
0: Now, if that tape came out, and Bernie Sanders was was going to the debate that night as the Democratic nominee instead of Hillary Clinton. That argument still would have been on the table. That would have been looming in the air. Um, it was still there at the end. He
1: still, she never, she never raped anybody. He did. But
0: I mean, people just just combine I mean, her and, and Bill and and all of the. I know. Well, they did
1: they did that well. Yeah, yeah. They did that well. Do you ever seen the movie Color? The um, uh, what's the name of it? Uh, primary Colors.
0: Which one was that? I it's think a, I've seen it. I just it's, can't it's, recall it's, which it's movie.
1: It's the Clintons. It's the Clintons in uh, one in their earlier runs for presidency. Oh,
0: was that with John Travolta playing the the Bill Clinton character? Might have been, yeah. I think so.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I forget who played him, but um, it did him well. And um, but that thing disappeared too. Yeah. Just, just like uh, all of his uh, Trump's old TV shows disappeared yeah
0: <laughs> um, oh man you uh, just on a on a side note, we started watching do you have Netflix?
1: N- yeah, but I never watch it
0: well, there's this this Netflix documentary series that they just came out with. It's like a mini series and it's called the Family and it's it's based off of a book of the same title um, written by this journalist who, as a young journalist, like, embedded himself with this group of young professionals in D.C. And they kind of all live together in, like, a cult-like atmosphere. And they all work at the Capitol and, and mm-hmm. for all these different organizations. And, and it's a, um, a weirdly religious-based organization that keeps itself super secret and is extremely influential. And hosts ambassadors for dinners and breakfasts, and presidents and cabinet members, and all that jazz. And yeah, it it sounds spooky, but it's pretty compelling stuff. I you should check it out. It might be up your alley.
1: This is um this is nonfiction.
0: This is nonfiction. Wow. Well. Yeah. So in in the show, Man, they, this guy got himself in They dramatize it? some of the the guy's accounts, so they have him there, and he's mm. telling his story. And they dramatize some of the stuff that he's talking about, uh, but it's it's all you know. They claims to be nonfiction, mm. so it's worth checking out. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Now let's. Uh, I guess let's get back to, to the Arakawa administration. Uh, you got any do overs there that that you wish you could have? Would would you? If you could grab Alan and shake him and say, Trust me, I'm from the future, don't do X, what would what would it be?
1: Quit picking fights. He was constantly picking fights. He's got the little the little guy syndrome. <laughs> and he has the tendency to chip have a big chip on his shoulder. And so he's always he was always I mean, we'd have to wrestle him, hold him to the floor so he wouldn't go downstairs and pick fights with the council members.
0: Oof. He's still doing that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it never worked for him. He's not very good at it either. He gets down there and gets his ass kicked, and then <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is not the way to do it. I mean, it's supposed to be a politician. You're supposed to work with people. You know, and he just could never really get his head
0: around that very well. Yeah. So the fact that um, that he wasn't taken seriously, you, you think that that was one of the, his keys to success? Um, no,
1: it's just it damage control
0: damage
1: control. <laughs> yeah, okay. more damage control than Keyes, success. he He's well, he comes up with some good ideas and he and he, and he, f- he sees it through and other stuff he just lets slide. Um, he's not much of a manager. Mm. He, needs, he, he would need to, to manage more. If and I guess in r- certain structures he's a good manager, like you know, he moved from um, being a farmer, to a sewer worker, to the manager of a wastewater system, to council. And that, that was its progression.
0: Now you've, you've worked for two mayors. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen about ten others, uh, mm. less than that, yeah, yeah, less than that yeah. Some, yeah. something around that. Um, what do you think makes somebody good at, at politics, or good at being a mayor? Uh, being good at it, intelligence. Intelligence? mm hmm
1: Lingle had that. Uh, Carvalho had it. I think, to a degree, Tavares had it. I mean, um, Hannibal Tavares. Yeah. But, yeah, we went, for the longest time, with only, like, four mayors. I mean, it was like. Forty-four years with like four mayors or something, mm. and then um, then after Lingle, it just started bouncing all over the place with single mayors, s- single terms, and then colour hit again, um, and it was kind of kind of I don't know, amazing. A matter of luck really that nobody really ran against him in his second term, on the second time around because he wasn't that strong, but nobody 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 stood up, and and Victorino could have. He chose not to he didn't think it was wise, and it might have worked it might have been true to him. I don't know whether he whether it' succeeded or not, but Alan managed to make a lot of people he took some really hard positions on the g m o issue because he's a farmer and he has a certain kind of sense about the the whole genetic process as a farmer uh that didn't agree with the the storyline that was being coming from the left and he could have gotten run over by that and, Yeah, I mean, the the lady who ran against him in that election was Paulton, uh, she was at the time a lifeguard, um, and not that articulate. I mean, she was she was growing, she was getting better, but I mean, not enough to, to you know, launch a ca- real campaign. Um, and he still, he, he had a lot of negative votes. I mean, a lot of votes went to her, just because they didn't like him. Mm. So he, yeah, he could have lost that one, but. As a result, though, of winning that, he's the longest-sitting mayor in Maui County's history. <laughs> really, he is. Because he had the w- one term, and then he had the two other terms. Yeah. And most, most guys only go for eight years and then done.
0: Well, I guess, to a certain degree, he's the most successful mayor, then.
1: To, th- yeah, to an odd degree, yeah. To an yeah. odd degree. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: How do you think uh, Mayor Victorino's doing?
1: I think it's doing pretty well in the sense that he's not, he's not picking fights. Yeah. You know, you know, he's, 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 he's judging, he's judging his language well. He's not, you know, not saying what he's thinking. And, um, which is a good thing. Um, I'm, I'm
0: impressed by, um, he strikes me as being very good at being a public figure.
1: Yeah, you know, he'd be, uh, I, he would be an excellent mayor, also in, in a county manager system. Mm, yeah. yeah, he really would because he really loves that role. He loves that that mayor
0: role. Um, and he's good at it. Yeah, it's fun to see him around. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, he, he
1: he likes being the father figure. Yeah, um, and and he's naturally, You know, the, the tall, big man. You know, naturally a leader kind of uh, physique. Yeah. Do you ever hear the, the 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 story why George Washington got picked uh, to be president of the United States? No. The tallest guy in the room. Really? Yeah.
0: It really came down to that. <laughs>
1: really? It's, it's, um, yeah, yeah, Franklin looked around and so said, Who's biggest? Huh. Well, of course, you know, before before the he became the general of the army. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, after the general of the army, of course he was gonna be the leader.
0: Yeah. It's it, Huh. We, we lionized George Washington so much, um, yeah, I mean, you know, but I'd never heard that, that yeah. it really came down to him being the tallest. Oh, well,
1: yeah. That's my story. I'm sticking with it.
0: I was always, um, as far as historical fun facts go, I always loved the idea that they chose the title President because they thought that would be the most humbling title. Right. And, and then it came down between president and secretary. Right. And they thought secretary suggested that he had too much influence. Too much authority. So they, so they went with president. And I thought, okay, that says yeah. something good about um, what they imagined our system would be.
1: Pretty much different than the current office holder's uh, opinion of what it means. Drastically it's different.
0: Uh, oh, yeah. my God. That joke that he made that, that he is the chosen one. That one just made me cringe.
1: I've been cringing That's for me. two years.
0: I've been cringing as well. Yeah. Though, if if I'm being honest, I'm actually amazed at how little destruction um, to to America has occurred.
1: I don't think you're seeing it. It's on, it's underneath the underneath the covers. Huh. The, the court, the um, the Supreme Court, um, the federal courts. What, what he's doing to the bureaucracy, you yeah. know, he's, he's knocking out a whole generation of uh, of capable people. Um, deliberately, because they're like they're they're likely to resist this nonsense. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, it's, there's some I think some hardcore damage that we're not we're not really seeing that's going to be a going to be there for the rest of our lives.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I especially think with the federal courts, um, with the Supreme Court, I am not a praying man, but I pray for Ruth Bader Ginsburg every day. Oh, every day, um, because i really don't want him to have another supreme court pick but you know the the current flock of of dems running for president they've got some ideas on stacking the court and whatnot which i don't know how do you do that
1: i mean
0: oh we didn't always have nine justices
1: oh yeah thing Yeah, Yeah.
0: yeah yeah i think you know at certain times in history we've had like seven we've had five i think we might have started out with just three justices
1: so they're talking about uh, pulling FDR and, and bumping it up to like thirteen or something. Yeah, that's mm.
0: what—that's exactly what they're talking about. Um, no. I think Pete Buttigieg is the most noticed or notable for for floating that idea. Mm. Um, but that's that's what they're discussing, um, or what has been discussed. I don't know if that's a great idea. Um, I'm I like the nine justices. Yeah, system it's
1: kind of a cure to the imbalance that exists now. So. So you can imbalance it the other way. I mean, I don't know. Um.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I honestly think we have a big issue when it comes to representation of, um, you know, there's the districting, um, which is an issue, how how congressional districts are drawn. But really, when we get back to the basic premise of, of senators, with, you know, I, I really think um, the fact that Populations as large as that of California having two senators, and populations as large as you know North Dakota, for an example, Hawaii. having or Hawaii having yeah. two senators, it it gets a little bit dangerous to me if if we're really going to call ourselves a democracy or even a representative democracy or a republic, um, that it it seems a little too imbalanced um, mm. when we take population to into account. So, how to solve that? I don't know. We're not going to get into that. It's, we're talking about Dave DeLeon right
1: now. <laughs> yeah, Dave DeLeon has no implications to the Senate at all.
0: Now, I want to, I you know, we, are, we have been recording for an hour and 18 minutes now. I want to talk a little bit more because um, I want to get into your time at RAM. Um, as it's classified.
1: It's classified. <laughs> how, did the,
0: how did the job come about? Because you're the first government affairs director. No, not.
1: You're not? No. There was, uh, there was a, a, a step to have one earlier that failed. The, 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 the candidate wasn't an appropriate person. And then there was a halftime person, John Anderson, uh, who, uh, who worked at... John Anderson was um, pretty much driven toward a... Um, uh, he was kind of a single-issue guy. He was very much into affordable housing. And he was very much into establishing a community land-based, a community land trust, which became Nahali. So he was like the founding father of Nahali. Um, And that kind of grew out of his gadship. And Mm. so his focus was mostly as a gad. That's where he kept on focusing Ram back toward Nahali. So Nahali uh, really kind of grew out of Ram. I didn't know that. Yeah,
0: and and you're on the board for Nahali now. Yeah, right? I am.
1: Yeah, I, 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 really, I believe in that model. That model is a good model. It's just doesn't produce enough houses.
0: Yeah, I, we've we've been focused heavily on on affordable housing lately as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's it's an issue that RAM has ever stopped focusing on.
1: Yeah, you know, it's a good thing for Ram politically to be in that position because uh, realtors are in a position of vulnerability because you're selling houses to rich people on the, on the mainland all the time that um, the members do. And uh, and that's, you know, kind of the competition for the locals. Uh, so they they get aced out by, by people coming from somewhere else with uh, pockets full of money that we don't have here yeah and so that's a continuing competition um that realtors have a have a couple to see to because because it you know the facilitators of of that whole process um so it's really good for realtors to be be conscious of that and and to be in front of trying to do what they can mm. to be actual leaders in, in getting local housing built for local folks.
0: So, Ram had a part-time GAD. How did you become the full-time GAD for a decade?
1: Well, they decided they wanted, they, they stepped it up. Um, the, the leadership of Ram um, really had their act together about that. I mean, it was kind of interesting to me that there wasn't any corporate um, uh, lobbyists around. Chamber of Commerce didn't have anybody. The um, the, the The unions kind of walked. Back from their positions, they'd have people that were like stewards and stuff like that would show up, but they weren't professionals. A and B had, and previously, but kind of kind of went away from having somebody representing him in the in, in the council chambers. Um, and um, and the, yeah, the the other one was. Um, Mali-Atlanta Pine was, to me, uh, before it faded out, it was intriguing to me. that they, they weren't represented. And I kept I kept talking to them, actually, about it. And and they just weren't interested. They just didn't see how that worked for them. They didn't understand how it would work for them. Um, so, well, I th- um, I was leaving the Arakawa administration um, and three or four months before I, I did, I started getting um, radio signals that this was going to, they, they, they were going to push it up to a full-time position. Um, and we had a couple of things going on. We had the, the vacation rental situation. There we wasn't any kind of ordinance for vacation rentals, and and it was just vacation rental bad. And um, and we had the what was called the Minotoya, uh decision, confusion ongoing. It was just a mess. People were selling properties. Um, under the guys that it was legal to do so, but it really wasn't, and occasionally you'd run into people in the county building or in the planning department would not agree and harass people and tell me they couldn't, they couldn't rent. Yeah. And so it was very, very confusing, and very, you know, um, and Ram, it was a couple of guys that thought well, it might be nice to win for a change. <laughs> and so they, they, you know, and so well, I got the job in '07. '07 was about the time when when the housing market collapsed. Yeah, and so that was an interesting time to be walking in the door. Of course, the membership shrunk during that during the first couple of years because, but didn't really affect my job. They they, they pretty much dedicated themselves to, to having a full time person. Physically, there wasn't space for me in the in the office, um, which was good because I really need to be next to the county building. I knew that from my experience watching A&B because A&B put their guy next to the county building. They didn't have him down in Kahului in their main office. They had him up right here next to the medical building. Mm. Um, and so, you know, this made sense to be, you know, in the game in Wailuku as opposed to, you know, way down down, down by the mortuary. Um, so, um, so, yeah, so, they hadn't hadn't really been that hadn't really been thought, but Terry uh, Terry uh, uh, Tolman uh, was the executive director, and he he said, yeah, you know, yeah, that makes sense. So let's let's make that investment, because yeah, otherwise he, uh, he they they're trying to tell me to do to work out of my home. I live in Haiku, <laughs> so I mean, so I mean, that didn't make a lot of sense for me. I mean, no. it just you know, just, you, could, you didn't have any access really. I mean, you'd be kind of surge. So had to, I had to be in town somehow, you know, and it wasn't fitting, so getting this office in Wilmington Plaza was just, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't have the view at first. I had I was in the, in one of the closed offices on the other side, but it didn't matter, just having space to work in, in a professional manner where you weren't being told, people weren't always looking over your shoulder and seeing what you were up to, because I have a tendency to daydream occasionally, where I need just the space, and and let my, my brain run. Um, and so, you know, I'll, I'll play solitaire for an hour and then let it run and then stuff starts popping. And Honestly, so
0: that was that was actually useful advice because um, when I first took the job, just for context for everybody, you took me out to lunch and mm-hmm. we we sat down and, and we just chatted for a while. And one of the things that you said was, don't feel bad if you need to, to take an hour and not actually do anything and just think. Mm-hmm. Um, and you giving me that permission. I don't think I've abused the permission, but um, but it is really helpful because sometimes you just need to, to not read something, not look at anything, and just kind of need to let the around. dust settle. Yeah,
1: you know, and let the thing settle down and, and, and fall into the right pukas, and then, then you know where all everything's laying, and then you can start working with the lay of the land because you can see the lay of the land. Until then, sometimes it's just too confused and it's, you know too hyper. Yeah, um, and sometimes it just slows down anyway, so it's a good time to do that. You yeah, know? just just take the time and take a deep breath and and, and bring it all into perspective.
0: Because then things come to you, and I find that if I'm you know running with my dog or, or even like in bed right before I fall asleep, stuff mm-hmm. will come to me. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. oh I'm a three thirty in the morning guy. <laughs> and it Popped.
0: Oh, oh shit, that's right.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like out, out of the blue, and then a, then it's you know. Good luck remembering it, but, I <laughs> but I'll do that often um, yeah and the dog, yeah, I used to be a runner, so you know I know what that's like you yeah know, things just pop in your head while you're while you're doing something you're just letting loose and, and let the brain cook and it'll tell you what what's, what needs to be done um, yeah, I mean, but you know Ram was uh, uniquely positioned because it also done that thing with um, I can't think of the gentleman's name now. But there was a gentleman they hired earlier. He was supposed to be the gad, but then he got sick. I, his name is, uh, leaving me. But um, he—he uh, um, he set up the whole idea of the um, of the uh, networking with the council members. Mm. You know the, um, the, the, the grassroots grass meetings. Grassroots, grassroots meetings, yeah. And that whole program, and and also he—he was the guy that brought to the 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 whole question of. What kind of footprint does RAM want to have? And I th- I think sometimes RAM gets itself into a box when it does that, because you know you know, oh well, I don't want to be a gorilla, it's too big. You know we're gonna make everybody get me pissed off at us because we're trying too hard. Um, there's moments where you need to be a good gorilla, and there's another other moments where you're gonna you know be a feather. Yeah. You know, and, and just pick the right spot. You know, and when you have to, you have to. You come out, all guns blazing, um, and other times not. You know. Like for instance, when the State Department of Health decided they were going to make realtors responsible for people changing their septic tanks to cesspools, uh, the septic tanks all across the country, um, um, we came out blazing. I mean, we didn't we didn't leave many bodies. I mean, we were we were blazing away, um, and luckily we were part of a coalition doing that. So I mean, we all found ourselves and just beat the living crap out of the state until they backed off
0: yeah what was the role of NAR like when it came to, to RAM advocacy
1: uh, they, they actually helped us a lot with uh, our vacation rental program so when I, when I came in vacation rentals was like you know dead duck. You're not going anywhere with that, um, because of the housing shortage, and you know, you know, this you know, it's bad, bad, bad. And uh, we used um, NAR money to do uh, an advertising campaign in the Maui News, uh, ads with people working, saying how they depend on vacation rentals for getting clients in their stores or, uh, you know, restaurants. I had Bev Gannon from um, um, the uh, Highly Miley General Store and um, and just people, you know, real people talking about, you know, how how you know vacation rentals or add to the economy, and um, that campaign helped set up a normalcy for it. I mean, it was just real people, and and it ran for quite a while. We didn't just run a, two ads and we're done. We ran for months, and they were like, you know, uh, five by sevens with you know good photography and simple language and good advertising Uh, and then we used the NAR money also to do uh, to hire an economist to do a study of the impact of of vacation rentals in Maui County and show big bucks and
0: I read that study I know what did you think of that study it worked (laughs) (laughs) it worked I was shocked when the economist that you hired Put in their report, they likened vacation rentals to the tobacco industry. in In an analogy, and uh-huh. I just thought to myself, if you're trying to sell people on the idea, have of have you met the county
1: council? Do you think they read that deeply? No, <laughs> <laughs> that's very that's true. Just run with what you got, dude. Run with what you got. There was one other thing we got out of them on that. I mean, but they 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 put in a bunch of money on that. And, yeah, and and it, and it worked. I mean, we turned it around. I mean, it went from like no fucking way to, okay, we'll get you some regulation. It's going to be a pain in the ass. We're not going to like it, but you know, we'll get you regulation. And regulation was better than no regulation. And you know, legitimacy was better than no legitimacy. And, and that started the wheels turning. Well, frankly, the one I got surprised about, I didn't think we'd do a chance in hell to do the short-term rental one. Mm. And, and that, that sold as well. And I had a sense that there were certain council members that have family members who wanted to do that and um and not hurt anything. Um so um I'm not gonna tell you who I'm thinking of, but yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, I think that helped, but um but yeah, we got yeah, you know, that second one we didn't need any NAR money for, money for, but the first one we it really worked well. Um and it was one other, uh, one other leg to that thing that we used our money for. We did a poll, mm. um, a real uh, SMS uh, scientific poll, and um, and straight a straight poll, not 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 a lead poll, and um, and it showed that there was a there was a majority constituency that said, yeah, there's a no place for that. So, you just kept on working to change the mindset yeah. from this evil to. Oh, okay, Um, and um, okay was, well, best we could hope for, and we kind of got that, Um, and after that, we had some leverage in the process. I mean, after that, we had, you know, we could speak without being the evil realtors, Mm. because when we first started, we were the evil realtors. People were laughing at me for taking the job, (laughs) because, you know, because the reputation of the realtors was in the toilet.
0: Wow. That's kind of sad.
1: It was sad, and it wasn't justified, but it wasn't, it was justified, and they didn't know what they were doing. So, you know, guys get up and shoot from the hip, or the lip, mm. and, 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 or there wasn't any real organized effort, and there was no, no grassroots, so there was no contact. We weren't, we weren't really people. Um, and so, and there was, you know, the god-awful housing shortage. So, we must be at fault.
0: And we still have that god awful housing shortage. And and we'll probably always have that, and we're still um, some people. I mean, still I'm, point I'm, the I'm
1: really, I'm really consider myself a, a housing advocate. However, there was you know the statistic that we're using that came out of the state about fourteen thousand uh, uh, units needed by yeah. for ten years or whatever it is. If you really stop and think about it, that's that's about fifteen hundred units a year. Kahului is 3,500 units, so we're going to do Kahului every three years? <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, that's not possible. I mean, if that's what we need, then we're not gonna be able to do it. Uh, so we gotta do something. I mean, and we keep on passing rules and regulations that are just, you know, block. For instance, right now, um, you know, this is I think it's been, been toying on my back of my mind. I, just, I don't know whether I want to bother putting the energy in it or not. But this one project is coming up in Laniapoko next week, in um, the council, I think it's next week, um, Greg Brown's one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that project is, um, you know, he's, he's coming in and telling the council, well, you guys want um, around 80% AMA, um, uh, um, average uh, medium income, and so I'll give you 50 to 100. And so that'll be the people I'm selling to. And, um, and you want 30-year buybacks. So OK, we'll do that. Never mind that the banks won't fund 30-year bond. Uh, there's no funding in the banks for 30-year um, mortgages, um, buybacks. You know, the, that type of de-restriction just won't fly. Mm. Um, you have to be like Habitat. I mean, if he does it purely with Habitat, then he can pull that off. Um, because Habitat has, you know, a national program for that. Yeah. Nobody else does. Uh, and we worked on, well, we worked on trying to change the, um, the Workforce Housing ordinance from 50% requirement to 25, because 50% killed housing here. I mean, we had nothing being built. Um, Yeah. Um, so we got it down to 25, but we also talked to the banks about changing the buyback requirement, because the concern is you know, ten years, and guys are out, and they flip them, and they make a profit, and, and because they got this subsidy on the front end, they, they were able to, you know, enjoy a big profit at the end, uh, at the public expense, and then the affordability is gone. Well, yeah, but, but but when you talk to the banks, they say, we don't want that kind of liability. We won't touch it, and it won't take a 20, let alone a 30. So somebody has to show me that there's some kind of mecha- funding mechanism for those mortgages. Because I don't think there is. Yeah. And th- that's something that the council chairman's pushing, and I don't know if anybody's ever talked to her about whether that's real or not. Um, uh, and Then the other part of his program is, is the AMA. Who the hell is going to afford a, a, a single-family house with, with 80% AMA? That's not... I mean, they can barely pay rent. Yeah. You know, I mean, really, I mean it's not not doable. It's not gonna happen. I mean, we got you know, we got teachers and people who are medical professionals who can't get can't afford mortgages. I mean, how the hell is how the hell how the hell is somebody who's, you know, you know, working as a probably working as a housekeeper in a hotel gonna afford that mortgage? Yeah. I mean that's what we did. subsidized housing is for. I mean, but you're going to subsidize all those mortgages to what degree? Seriously. And so, so the problem I have with that is, so the developer agrees to do that, he's setting himself up to never build. And we've had that happen in the past where we have all these heavy requirements we put on the developers. You got to build this, you got to build that, you got to do all those old sewers and all this other stuff. And when it comes time to build, the guy looks at his numbers, says, "Well, no way," and walks. We've had all kinds of projects, do that major projects, just not happen because yeah. because the impo- the impositions on them are too deep. And I think we're right back to doing that again.
0: I think so. Uh, you know, an interesting bill is uh, is coming up on Friday, and it. It's not super interesting, but it has to do with water main extensions. Um, So right now the county pays back 50% on on water main extensions up to like 60 feet or something like that, or in excess of 60 feet if if your development does a water main extension um, and you meet a few other requirements. So the county county will pay you back 50%. Well, this new bill that's coming up, um, which passed first reading, 9-0, so it's it's almost certainly going to go through, it uh, has the same 50%, but it caps the payback at $100,000. At first glance, you think to yourself, okay, well, it just caps the, the county's liability on it. But then you start asking yourself, well, how much well, does a the developer, water main how much extension will, you know, you know, cost? What,
1: what's that mean? I mean, if it means like if you've got a half a million dollar project, then you're not getting shit on the money.
0: Not getting fifty percent. No, nope. You're getting capped out at a hundred thousand dollars. Right. But that that leads us back to that ever present question, which Roy Van Doren likes to ask me all the time, which is, who pays for development?
1: Yeah, that's a question that we have to answer ourselves as a community. Yeah. I mean, well, who pays for the offsite development cost? I mean, are we going to subsidize them, or are we not? And if we're not, don't expect to have affordable housing. Yeah. It's that simple. Because yeah, you know, if you if you got heavy off site development uh, cost, then I mean the cost of housing is already off off the edge. Yeah,
0: so maybe it's just. A I'm trying to
1: build a garage in my backyard, and I'm trying to I'm fighting like oh hell to keep it under hundred thousand dollars.
0: Wow, for a garage. Yeah, it's because you're you're doing it the right way, right? <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, I mean, I want, to, I want to have a building that's going to stand up. So, mm. I mean, but it's not a fancy thing. Yeah, <laughs> I can't get, the, I can't get the cost down. And it's like, it's amazing. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, that the project is happening in Kihei right now. Just about to start letting out the, the, the one over in um, North Kihei. It's got the, it's for the subsidized housing yeah. program. Yeah. Um, Those guys were telling me, and you know, they don't really know what they're doing. And it's a, that's, a, that's a wooden building, I believe, and it's still going to cost them three hundred and fifty dollars, fifty thousand dollars per unit to build. So It'll I mean, expensive. I mean, you know, that's that's next to. I mean, that's that's right up there on the limits. I mean, you know, if, you know, what? So you know, have to subsidize the crap out of it for to get it down to where these guys they want it to be at fifty percent. Uh, Fifty uh, percent uh, AMA. I mean, that's that's what they're I aiming. Mean, that's what they're aiming at. That's what's supposed to be for subsidized housing. But, but, you know, but, but that's their cost on the front end. Is that? So yeah. you start adding on more off site costs. It's not going to happen. You know, it just you have to be real. I mean, this this is part of the whole equation. that You have to come to come grips with as a community. We haven't done that.
0: No. I don't know when we will. That's
1: yeah. Well, no. you have to really th- be thinking hard about housing.
0: There seems to be a big big commitment, um, but I think everybody's afraid of, of coming up with the wrong answer. You know, that's kind of... Um, the, the county did their presentation on their strategic plan for housing. That was two weeks ago now, I think.
1: I didn't know about that. It's kind of been interesting.
0: Yeah, they... I don't think they they published the actual plan itself, but it was in front of the Affordable Housing Committee, and uh, Lori Suhako and Linda Munzel were there, and they gave their presentation. I think they they brought out Michelle McLean and, and Sandy Baz as well, mm-hmm. um, and everybody was disappointed. Uh, it seems to to be the the general consensus, and and I remember even talking to you someone. What fairy
1: dust, or what do they
0: want? Well, what they wanted was a plan. Basically, they wanted. Uh, Department of Housing and Human Concerns to hand them a packet that said here are the properties um here's where you should build here's who you should get to build it you know oh wait, wait, all wait, wait. This.
1: I thought we had an island plan
0: we we uh, have it every time
1: we every time we bring up a project it's in the island plan they get shot down though
0: yep because was, of that trend um Housing and Human Concerns did not deliver a packet saying no, they can't the because they look they to the crap yeah it exactly gets beat, yeah instead what they did was they they outlined what their department actually does. Um, Lori Suhako came up with a, a great graphic of of a pyramid that basically explained here are all the impediments to housing, um, and. It made sense, you know, and, and Linda Munzel went up and, and she basically outlined a whole bunch of areas where we could use further study, further understanding.
1: Did uh, they the, was NIMBYism on the list?
0: I think, I do, I do think that came up the fact hmm. that whenever we want to put a project, you know, in West Maui, you get a whole bunch of people saying, not here. Central Maui, you get a whole bunch of people saying, no, 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 this should be in West Maui. And, and that, that issue did come up. But, but they outlined all these impediments and then a whole bunch of areas for further study. But I think there's a very uh, rational fear of being the person who says, try this, or do this, and hands a, a set of prescribed methods to, to do that. Um, I think that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants to be handed a packet that says, do X, Y, and Z, and you'll get your housing units. But it's such an impossible ask and nobody wants that um, responsibility That responsibility to have that target put on them. I don't know if anybody will step up and ask for that target. Mike Molina did his, his housing call to action. <laughs> um, well, which, and then he
1: votes down the housing projects.
0: That happens. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, we, as you are well aware, Ram, we don't take a specific, we don't take a position on specific housing projects.
1: Not for you, that's where you're wrong. Oh, really? Yeah, we did. Kahoma. We fought for Kahoma.
0: Yeah. That was a little bit different.
1: No, it's not. It's not? No, it's affordable housing. Affordable housing affordable housing. That was an easy one because it was Nahali and it was Habitat. Exactly. And the whole project was was affordable. But nonetheless, it's affordable housing.
0: When, yeah but when the whole project is affordable that's that's a lot different uh as yeah far well as what don't you're don't yeah
1: well, don't put yourself in the box saying you can never do a project because you can and
0: you, you're right, yeah yeah
1: you know, because, because i I hear that mantra coming out of ram all the time
0: mm.
1: and i help i' have perpetuate that because that's a good escape when you don't want to get involved with something that has <laughs> nothing to do with it, but the other times we did we got involved with the hospital, yeah, I mean there was a big fight inside the ram over that, but we it's you know we had to do something about the hospital, and, as a community, and we took a position, even though it was like, like one of fifty other organizations that took positions. But it was kind of heart-wrenching for some people in, in Ram to say, "Well, it's not housing. What are we? Doing? It's nothing to do with us. It's not real estate. Well, no, but it's quality of living, and quality of living is part of our deal. Check out. There's, there's, a, there's. A, the, we have a position. You, you we. <laughs> I'm still doing it. Um, there's a there was uh, positions taken in the right before I became began around 2002 or something like that. Terry pushed them through um, the quality of life standards or something like that, um, and the principles, principles, quality of life principles, the stuff that Ram would stand up for. Uh, the not necessarily real estate. Yeah. But you know. But directly comes back to quality of life
0: and quality of the community that you're dealing with. I mean, that makes sense.
1: Makes sense, but I mean, if you want to use the mantra, it's not real estate, then you can escape from most
0: everything. Oh no, I don't. I don't abide by that mantra. the mm-hmm. The fact that we're we're real estate exclusive. Yeah. Um, you know, because I'm. I think that idea of property rights. If if we take property rights as our big umbrella, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of stuff you could throw in. Under that umbrella, yeah. that that still yeah. isn't necessarily real estate, and it might oh, not well. directly relate to property, mm-hmm. but it, it does have to do with the individual freedoms that that allow people to enjoy their community, right, um, or their
1: ability to, yeah, you know,
0: yeah. And and honestly, I think it's it's because of our role in the community, um, or at least our members. You know, realtors really do play a pretty active role in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so so because of of how. Diverse our membership is, and how involved they are in, in so many different areas well, i
1: I get the difficulty of getting them lined up on a on a, on a particular project yeah. yeah yeah
0: it's it's more that it's it's more that yeah. I don't want to get lumped in um, well, I don't want to go the the quote unquote developers who are really easy to point fingers at right. to blame for for right. problems because right. we're not developers right. we're not, you know our members are are realtors right so you know
1: yeah not much of a distinction for a lot of people though
0: yeah. But for me, there is. Yeah. <laughs> stick with it. <laughs> That's all that matters. Stick so with it. Stick <laughs> with it. What What were some fights that you wanted to have that you weren't allowed to? Oh, I was one. What the heck was it?
1: Oh yeah, the, in the two thousand, I think fourteen election, mayor's election. Yeah, two thousand fourteen. Keller came to us and asked for earlier endorsement. And. um and it was shut down immediately. And this is the guy who gave us everything we asked for. I mean, he, whatever he, had, whatever we asked for, he 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 worked for us one hundred percent. He came and asked for an early endorsement, and news slammed. Huh? And I almost walked. I was really pissed. I mean, and, it was, and I was it, was it was, it was a survey put out, but it was a, it was, a, it, was a, it was a lead survey, so it led people right to where you wanted to go, and I wasn't allowed to touch it.
0: Wow. Why was there the opposition to the early endorsement? Uh,
1: there was a sense that, uh, you know, it was a, a sense, well, he was trying to shut the door on opposition, in which mm. it was not makes sense. But there was a sense of arrogance on his part, you know, like how dare you ask us. Um, and the answer would be, then stop asking him for stuff, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Because we we, we got whatever we wanted out of him. I mean, you know, the vacation rental ordinances and all the other stuff, the Minotauria. I mean, his planning director worked right shoulder to shoulder with us on Minotauria. I mean, it was like a team. Yeah. And whatever else we wanted, you know, the taxes, wherever, uh, he he was with us. And when he reached out to us for the one thing he needed, uh, we rebuffed him. That that was painful.
0: Did you ever have to get into a fight that you didn't want to have? Uh,
1: there was um there was one management effort that I could speak to. Um it wasn't Terry, it was coming from um, from the executive committee. And it was they want me to do a time study to justify my existence. you know record all your, i mean make a note of all the telephone calls you make and you know what do you do with your time during the day and and you know basically you know do a monkey study for for like time management and um my first my first inclination was to say bye. And then I sat down and said, "No, I'll just, let's let's play with this for a while." And so I came back with my list of accomplishments and I and showed him what the what the you know how we stretched out the program. I mean, I was doing I was doing a blog a week, um, and I was doing a lot of stuff that wasn't required of me. Um, that, that you know, I was, had a good strong program going. I mean, really, it was a class A program, and. You know, and <laughs> I don't know whether they were even stopping the be conscious or not, but I raised it to them. and said, "Okay, this is what I'm doing. What's your problem?" And it went away. Yeah, but you know, but it just really gnawed at me. I mean, just kind of, you know, like realtors, realtor leaders, uh, managers have a tendency to do this. They want to count how many pieces of Xerox papers come out of the machine. Um, they wanted you know nickel and dime you know the, the office operations you know how many stamps were licked and on um, uh, on the, the company's expense and um, and I um, yeah I was I mean i I was really proud of the work I was doing and and I was doing it as a professional I wasn't doing it as a bean counter and it wasn't going to be be made into a bean counter Cause that's just, runs counter to my personality. And I was in a position if we couldn't come to an agreement, then I was gone.
2: Mm.
1: And and they weren't. <laughs> so that went away.
0: <laughs> Do you miss it, being Gad?
1: No. Uh I, um no, because there is there's an element of um Confrontation with the politicians and stuff that I, I didn't really, didn't really need to have anymore. Mm. Um, and there was a period where, you know, at the end there when when I started seeing the, the impact of Facebook and the electronic media and stuff, I realized that uh, that my time had passed. Unless uh, I wanted to, to retool myself, which I don't know you knew that was going to be possible or not. I mean, I'd take, it would take training for me to be able to do, but. Those guys were doing, and um, there was there was time for me to move along. Yeah, yeah, it just it was. It, it's kind of amazing uh, it's the way you can compartmentalize though too, because I was working full time, but I also had two acres at home. I had a big house to take care of, and not a lot of money, so I wasn't hiring a lot anybody else to do it. I had to do it myself. So part of my yard was a jungle, and. Um, and, and my house was in really a piss poor shape. It really needed work, and um, and so that's what I've been kind of doing for the last three years. Really, is just bringing bringing my property back up to to a point where you can walk around without getting hurt, and um, and and bringing the the house back up so you know, it wasn't decaying. But, but you know, the, I was compartmentalizing because I only had so many hours in a day. And it, you know, that's why Dave's not a golfer because there's no time on Sunday. I mean, the only time I'd give myself, Tracy and I would, no, Tracy's days, and I would go bike ride every Sunday morning. The rest of the time was pretty much gone.
0: And you're you're actually a pretty intense bike rider. Like you, you're not talking about a short little little stroll on your bike. You you ride for like miles and miles, right?
1: Yeah, we do thirty-mile rides.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, the the gad from Maryland, Jason Barr. Oh yeah yeah. Um, he he told me about it. you guys riding bikes together. Or, or In v-
1: Vermont yeah. yeah yeah yeah. I was, yeah.
0: I was blown away. I, was, I don't think I could ride a bike for thirty miles.
1: If, yeah, it's just a matter of doing it repeatedly. Yeah, yeah it's bicycle easy that way. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. But it's, it's a good exercise.
0: Now, um, if I'm not mistaken, there was about six month overlap when when you were leaving the position. Um, and they hired on Lawrence, right. um, who was the GAD in between us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I didn't get six months with Lawrence, um, which no. I'm okay with, Lauren, Lawrence is still around, he gives mm-hmm. me advice and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but let's condense that. What are, what are a few pieces of advice and integral training that you could throw my way since I didn't spend six months with you at the start of this game, well, I don't
1: know what your gaps are. Though. I mean, I, I can't. That's <laughs> I can't speak to it without knowing what your gaps are. I mean, you're you're a different animal than me because you're an attorney, so you read things in a different manner, mm. um, and you 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 have a different view uh, than. And uh, you know, I've was forty years of having my my optics conforming to Maui County. Yeah, so I have a unique perspective that tool to Maui County, but not necessarily seeing everything. I, I was really impressed when you went after the planning director at the meeting last December um, <laughs> uh, about, you know, uh, agricultural rules and they were trying to make an enclosure out of a four-foot high, um, three-sided uh, structure
0: yeah, a railing, a railing that was above four feet. High I know it was just like t- is is a wall. Yeah. If, if it was enclosed on three spaces, yeah, there are right, three right. sided railing. Right, 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 uh, right. In your garage. But, but I
1: was really impressed that you, you know, I didn't, I didn't pick up on that at all. I was looking out for other stuff that the other singles that, that I was, that I was, that I was flying at. I've um, been dealing with them over the whole time about um, what is agriculture. Yeah, and what is? Why are these properties agricultural when they should be rural? Um, and so we're trying to work in that direction, and the whole thing about the, the the stupid requirement that if you're living on a property, then you have to be a farmer. Mm. Well, you're 80 years old, are you still a farmer? I
2: mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean,
1: seriously, are, are you really? So why are you setting up that trap? I mean, what's the purpose of it? You know, and it's the whole thing about you know saving agricultural lands. You could do that in saving rural lands same way, but the way it's set up is, the law kind of uh, implies that everything with once sugar is, is all I mean, everything everything of agriculture used to be sugar or pine, mm. and that's not true. I mean, never was true. I mean, but the property I'm on now used to be pine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, but I have my acre of orchard, but. Does that make me a farmer? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't that's know. That's why that's why I, I use the pseudonym "gentleman farmer" because that's that's a pejorative. Yeah. yeah, it's supposed to be like you know, hooty snooty. You know, you, you know, you're just faking being a farmer.
0: Are you in the the loop at all in this this agricultural workforce housing cluster housing stuff? Oh uh, no. Oh well, I'll give that one to you to you later. That's, no, that's, that's okay.
1: Sounds like a cluster to me.
0: <laughs> we'll talk about <laughs> it off the air. <laughs> um, so basically, your your advice to me is largely what Lawrence's best piece of advice to me was, which was, "Don't try and do the job the way I did it." Um, yeah,
1: because it kind of fits a personality. Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, it depends whether your, your personality matches what it needs to do. I I was I'm a win loss kind of guy. I like to go in and fight uh, mm. and, and get wins. Um um so I was looking for I mean that's why I kept a a running tab of my wins. So when the board gave me crap I said, Well, what's wrong with this list? Tell me and they didn't know what half the stuff on the board list meant. <laughs> so so that was okay, I mean, kind of that's a little intimidation factor. Um but um you know I mean it's not the, the the bad mouth of those guys on the board, I mean you know, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing in the best of their ability, but um yeah, I mean you're gonna do what you're gonna do with the tools you have and um and w- the more you sit in the room, you'll be bent by the room it'll it'll get you thinking in other directions. I used to report back to back to the Maui news and 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 right out for brain damage. <laughs> for half of that she trying to make sense about what i was listening to for the last you know four or five hours it's brutal
0: <laughs> yeah some of these yeah yeah <laughs> it's brutal i mean my goodness if you're looking for for interesting really interesting you should check out the tape from the land use committee meeting yesterday where they had dr Keanu side come back for. Oh my God, he's shooting. back again! <laughs> oh my God! But it, it, I mean, it was the the guy. Say what you will about whether you agree with him or not. Uh, he makes a lot of valid points. He's he's great at presenting. But but the interesting thing to me um, was the people who came out to testify beforehand, because uh, there were there were some representatives from from one of the sovereignty groups. Um, one of them was a. Um, a non-Hawaiian Hawaiian citizen, he had renounced his American citizenship and, and took up Hawaiian citizenship, and he kept on making it a point to explain that Doctor Sai is an American. He is not a Hawaiian because he is not with their group. Um, so, so just for entertainment value.
1: Oh, they they get into that. You know, they, they chew on each other.
0: Yeah, they were chewing on each other. So.
1: Did, that, did I ever explain the black crab, crab syndrome? Yes, to you? you did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what that is. Yeah, yeah, they can't help themselves. They don't even see an ally when they're standing in front of them.
0: Yes, it, it was it was incredible to me. That That's good. I hope they keep doing that. That before, <laughs> this guy, Dr. Sai, who is probably, I mean, this is this is the heyday for like the Hawaiian sovereignty team movement. You know, the Hawaiian Renaissance. Right. Uh, Dr. Sai being able to present in front of the county council on multiple times is is really a it's big, telling. Yeah, it's telling. It's telling, and, it, and it's a yeah. big accomplishment in many ways for mm. for. Every Hawaiian, um, to to even have this, to have that perspective even brought up in a legitimate manner, and not, not every just Hawaiian be,
1: buys into that.
0: Not every Hawaiian buys into it, but but I think the fact
1: that the legitimacy of it. Yeah the, yeah, the
0: fact that it's being discussed, even even if you're a Hawaiian that doesn't buy into to the sovereignty movement or or sovereignty or or disagree with how U.S. policy with Hawaii has been, even if you agree with the U.S. completely, you still have to admit to, to have this conversation from, from a Hawaiian rights perspective is, is pretty interesting that, that it's being had. And yet still, um, while this guy is representing you know, this position and, and legitimizing a position that, that you know, he had gotten in legal trouble for having in the past, um well it's because he was he was directing to,
1: people to not pay their mortgages and, and pay him instead.
0: He was he <laughs> was addressing certain issues with their titles he, in relation to international law.
1: And and taking taking um taking compensation for that. Um yeah, that's why he went to jail or almost went to jail or wherever he did.
0: I'm not here to judge. Yeah, I am I am. <laughs> I think the
1: guy's a con man. But um you know, yeah i mean the the sovereignty thing is, is is spooky because it could tear our community apart and it can tear our community apart in the sense of some people are more equal than others and um which is the the weird part about it is the the, the people who are making these claims are are minority here mm. so they they're not in a majority position, so they can it's not like it's gonna be like India right now where the Hindus are beating everybody else up, yeah. I mean, uh, but there's a potential in any society to do that. Um, so, when a minority tries to pull that off, it get tricky. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, thus far, I I think uh, everything—the uh, fact that everything's peaceful um, now thus far—is uh, I I'm not I can't criticize for the potential for. Um, for things to turn unpeaceful when when there's no indication that there's there's uh, an inclination to go in that direction. Mm. You know the, everything has has been peaceful so far. so so i'm not gonna I'm not gonna sweat that too much. but uh, the reason I bring that up is just because from from a perspective of somebody who spent a lot of time in council chambers and um, you've seen some very interesting things that are entertaining. Um, that's yet another thing from council chambers that was interesting and, and you might find entertaining and enlightening. You find it enlightening. Um, we've been talking for a while. Let's I like to wrap this thing up. What? Um, we can keep on talking. <laughs> not, not it's, it's only <laughs> been two hours and five minutes. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it flies. Um, but I, I like to wrap it up with with five questions that I ask everybody. Yep. Same five questions. So I'm, I'm going to throw them at you. Um, yes. I think no. Yes. Yes. No. You're gonna have great answers for me. <laughs> uh, first question: What book would you recommend? Hmm. What book?
1: Hmm. I mean, from uh, for you as a gad or for no, anybody? For, for anybody. Oh, for anybody a Waipono. Uh, why? Because that tells you the underpinnings of where the culture
0: comes from. And for me as a gad. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I have one for you. Fair enough. Uh, question number two. What is guaranteed to make you smile, Dave DeLeon?
1: A, qu- a quick joke because it's really humorous something just... or occasionally just of the absurdity of the situation <laughs> uh, i was i was Gaddafing last night over something on, on t v it was just like oh yeah, it was like this seems so, so, it a, uh, so it was like when things you shift the grid on something and it reverses and this seems absurd all of a sudden something very important or something very the man's attention suddenly goes, goes absurd. Mm. I've been done to laugh. A little bit of absurdity. Yeah. but you know, sake doesn't hurt either.
0: <laughs> what goal do you have that you haven't achieved yet? Write a novel. Have you started on one? No. Any ideas? Tons. Fiction, non-fiction? No, no, novel, novel. Oh, so. Yeah, novel, yeah, fiction. All right. What is something that you have learned recently? How old am I getting? Ooh, what taught you that lesson? My body. (laughs) All right. Now this one, uh, final question. I'm interested in seeing how you interpret it. What one piece of advice would you give to anyone listening?
1: I don't know. If nothing's coming to mind right away. Let the one lay for a second. I want to go back to the thing about the one thing I uh, one thing I learned. Yeah, I was at a um, on a little event um, called something uh, uh, cafe. Um, anyway a cerebral cafe it's a thing for old folks over at um, um, Maui Lu. Um that uh, not Maui the Maui um, Maui dunes um, and it's just a, you know like a, a discussion point and this lady got up and started talking about um, about uh, life expectancy and about you know uh, you know planning for future and stuff like that she's a planner and um, she asked for a show of hands who thinks they're going to make it to a hundred or a you know and most you know, a couple people said, no, she, she started lower she said like ninety and a couple of hands went up, so what about hundred? nobody's hands went up, and she says, well, you're wrong, you're, you're practically all going to make it to a hundred and because of the way science is changing, and so you need to start planning longer than you have been planning um, because it's it's gonna change, and she was talking about like um uh doing um what do they call it um the the printing of uh, printing of livers. You know, you know, like um what's it what's oh, it Oh like three D printing? Three D printing yeah, they're actually that's actually being done. Uh so organs can be are gonna be produced without not being living tissue. And and other other parts of the body and other just the advances in, in like like the, the changes in, in the immune system way of approaching uh, cancer, um, you're going to have a lot better chance of surviving than to to a hundred than you than you used to, and that really kind of changed my perspective about my future because I was still, like thinking, you make eighty five and you're pretty much in, <laughs> in the toilet uh, after that. I mean, nothing. You know, you're going to be maybe existing, but you're not going to be doing anything. Uh, and I started thinking more in terms of, no, I'm going to be around for a while. So you know, I mean, I mean, thinking positively, that you know, I'm not going to get some major disease or something or Alzheimer's. Um, but you know, it's just like, yeah, maybe, maybe I, uh, maybe my pers, my perspective on on the trajectory is wrong, which mm. uh, and I got I got to spread that out. You know, I'm thinking I had an ever really rapidly decreasing runway, and and. It's decreasing, but it's maybe it's not as slow, not as fast as I thought it was. Yeah, and so, so that that was a different perspective, um, and it just came out of the blue too. It really struck me, uh, so I um, kind of shifted my grid on that.
0: Yeah, huh, I am. Um, and
1: the the other question about the advice to everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, one piece of advice you would give to any don't listener: Don't believe everything you think.
0: That's outstanding advice. Yeah, yeah. I
1: usually need time to be able to think about those. Though I can't pop them out of my head right away. <laughs> out of the blue. You should have gave me those in advance. I would have done a better job.
0: You, you think? <laughs> I, I've been on the fence about that. Whether I should give the yeah, questions I think you should give them in advance. Yeah,
1: well, it, it, for me, it would work better because I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm not fast like that. I, mean, I need to I <laughs> think about it. Maybe
0: I'll, I'll do that depending on uh, the guest and if I like him or not. Oh, there I want you go. them to yeah, sound yeah, yeah. smart. I'll, th- I'll give them to them. Or if
1: you think you got somebody that's going to give you something, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Do, what do you think of those questions? Do you think I should switch them up at all?
1: I can't, can't judge that. We're I mean, if it works for you, it works for yeah, you. I, think but, I guess so. Yeah, you know, I, mean, I mean, but yeah, you know, it's nice uh, because you know the thing about not believing everything you think. I don't know how many times I've been reversed. I mean, in my own my own thoughts and uh, just my perspective over it, over time. I mean. Look at the book I wrote. I mean, the book I wrote was, like, development bad. Uh, And this is how to fight it. And now I'm thinking, you know what? Well, you know, one thing, the one thing, one of the things that changed my perspective on development and about this life on the planet was a letter to the editor uh, that W. W. S. Merlin, the, the poet, wrote. Wasn't poetic. It was just a straight statement. He said, "Keep this in mind: that when the when our country was formed, we had a million people, a billion people, in the world. That was less than three hundred years ago, and now we have eight billion people in the world. Yeah, and and it's still still exp- you know exponentially increasing. Um, someone's got to give, and practically all the environmental issues we have." Kind of go back to that and and the increase in technology. I mean, the, the two together, the industrial age and and the, the increase in population. There's a term that I use is the um, Anthropocene, apl- which is the uh, the age of man, mm. and yeah, and it's going to be very short <laughs> if we're not careful. It's going to be real short.
0: A lot of people think that. Yeah. See, I like that piece of advice because I think a lot of people lose sight of the fact that it's okay to change your mind. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think, especially because of like social media and the way that we see political discourse now, if, if somebody takes a position that differs from previous position they had. They get trashed, yeah. Yeah, you're ridiculed as a flip-flopper. But if anything, if you have the same positions in your ideologies for 30 years, 40 years, a lot of times... you got to think yourself pretty rigid, dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's pretty rigid. I mean, we we got people like uh, like my man Bernie Sanders, who, <laughs> who has... Uh, he's had his ideology forever and, and a lot... But, but even him, uh, I think his ideas became more nuanced over time, or at least I, I want to give him that well, credit. Well, he's in
1: the Crucible. He has to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I mean I've been I've been to Burlington and I I think it's a, a lovely town and I think they did a great job with it. I mean in even like what the mayor or something like that yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's a nice place. I mean I, I could actually live there even if it wasn't so freaking cold. Ugh. But um but you know, yeah. Uh so I could see the touch of something somebody was paying attention to the world there. I mean
0: But but few people are really on the right side of history like that. Um, you know, so so I think ideas tend to to change over time. Like oh, like yeah. Joe Biden getting beat up on a lot of the stuff that he's getting beat up on for. It, I think we need to recognize that that people change and and the times change and our understanding. This is all bullshit.
1: He was changing. on the right side of history at the time he, re- he did that stuff. And yeah. it just changed. I yeah. mean, and so you're going to beat up history? You're going to this old guy? Um, but they're making a huge mistake. They really are, because he's the one shot they have, really, at at Trump. You think so? Oh, absolutely.
0: I'm not convinced.
1: I I could tell you off the record, but I'm not going to tell you on the record why I think that.
0: Okay. that's Yeah. Well, I'll ask you off the record. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, I'm not convinced uh, uh, that Joe Biden is the only shot, um, though, uh, yeah, I think he...
1: You're a millennial, so you couldn't. Yeah, you know, I could see why you wouldn't. You
0: I know. am. I am a millennial, and yeah, that, that yeah. makes me. Um,
1: no, I mean, uh, and it's not. That's not meant as a pejorative. Well, I don't. Mean, I don't think it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just mean it as you have that perspective. Yeah. And you're going to look for more young, active kind of uh, positions than than Joe can bring.
0: Yeah. I I actually really like Elizabeth Warren.
1: Yeah. She I I really think the country needs a father figure. I could see that. I mean, really, it needs a healing father figure, and Joe can Joe can do that.
0: Mm.
2: And
1: and I mean, I'm talking about in the union halls. I'm talking about in the, in, in the white churches. I'm talking about in the places where, other than I mean, you know, he. There is there is a, still an underlying, you know, kind of um, racial divide in our country that is going to make it real hard for, I mean, even even for male female. It's going to be hard. I yeah. Mean, right now the important thing is to get rid of that that, that that horror story. Yeah. I mean and to me that nothing's higher higher requirement because as long as he's there nothing positive happens. Nothing. And there's a lot of folks out there who, who, who are going to be reluctant to make a radical change. I mean Obama was such a um, an apparition, mm. and and what we got going right now is, is almost like physics. It's the anti-Obama. Yeah, it's the, the it's, reaction. It's, it's, it's equal reaction, and so whatever he was, this is just the opposite of that. And and so what we need to do is come to a, we need to calm down and come to a middle.
0: I wish we could just have Obama back. We squandered that man's presidency. Uh, well, America, we we just well,
1: but but who. The guys have Repu- elected the Republicans, and and and, and the, the the core of guys built around the Coke organization uh, really, really has colored our nation just to their own benefit. Mm. And they're willing to fall in bed with the idiot if you give them what they want, then, and he knows it. He'll give them what they want. That's what the tax bill was.
0: My God. That was.
1: I mean, that was just that. There was nothing else. You know, and the average voter still doesn't get it. How many Hispanic people I hear on radio shows talking about? You know, I don't know why he why they're deporting Daddy. I mean, Daddy. You know, we all voted for Trump. Um, there was a guy. It was one of the guys that was called out by um, Castro. Supporting, um, for supporting uh, Trump in Texas. He's a Hispanic guy. Well, I don't know if he's Hispanic or not. He's Peruvian originally, but he's an American citizen. He presents as Hispanic. Um, uh, and they were interviewing him, asking him, well, like, you know, why, why why, are you supporting Trump? And he says, well, I think he's doing a good job, and this, that, and the other thing. he said, well, what about all the disparaging things he says about about Hispanic people and about you know how he doesn't stop people when they start talking about shooting yeah uh, Hispanic people I mean, I mean he had to be dis- disbarred right on that one but I mean and and then that goes oh I don't pay any attention to that it's just not important Fox News doesn't emphasize it I don't see it
0: that's absurd
1: but I mean, yeah he, I mean this is a, f- a major fundraiser for Trump in Texas yeah. And you know he's complaining he's being called out. Well, duh. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean so that I me mean, you know there's there's an underlying thing in democracy about you know how people actually vote against their own interest.
0: Yeah. And uh, that's super common.
1: Yeah, I know. But I mean when when the Hispanic guys do it it just drives me freaking crazy. I mean, are you not paying any attention at all?
0: But you see the for for that reason, for a few reasons, I that's why I don't think Joe Biden is the the only pick uh, that could beat Donald Trump. You know, if we, if we go back to our conversation about Hillary Clinton, um, you know, none of these candidates have had that that structure of twenty five years of of den-
1: denigration. Yeah, right. Um, yeah.
0: And if if anybody comes close to that out of this pack, it might be Joe Biden because he had his eight years with Obama. Yeah. So so every criticism that they hurled at Obama is, no, is just going to get hurled at Joe. No,
1: well, that only works for that constituency underneath. I mean, the, the constituency I'm worried about is the white constituency in the middle mm. who needs to be comforted and know that everything's going to be okay, it's not gonna be, we're not going to lose our health care, you know, everything's going to work, and here's a guy who's going to look out for us, he's a father figure, and we can relate to
0: him. But the problem is I, I think the, the key to beating Trump for a lot of these candidates is gonna come in the debates. Um, you know, when we get rid of all the rest of the candidates and we're, we're down to the actual general election. I don't think it makes any
1: freaking difference have, at all.
0: I think it makes a difference because we're moving away from from five seconds, 10 seconds, 15 seconds to answer a question to two minutes, three minutes, um, you know, long form interviews. And the, the thing about Trump is he sounds like a crazy person and that's my big problem with joe biden sometimes he just says some stuff that sounds stupid because he doesn't think before he speaks sometimes
1: yeah that's true it's true he's not perfect but and,
0: and if you have a juxtaposition on stage on the debate stage with with trump sounding like an idiot and then somebody like elizabeth warren who was a teacher for for decades being able to to succinctly express a complex idea in an understandable way um
1: you know if i had to pick you know the person i would prefer to be president it would be warren yeah but i want to pick the person i think it could be trump
0: mm. i don't think it's warren i think i think he, he I think could do she's, damage, because sure.
1: exactly because she's didactic yeah she does not come across as mom
0: but the person i think bernie could beat trump i don't think so so, so many there's no
1: freaking way a socialist is going to win in this country.
0: He's a democratic socialist. Bullshit.
1: <laughs> he, they're going to paint him as a goddamn
0: communist. But the thing is, we've seen, we've seen, they, are, the record, they will yeah. paint, they're going to pay. We're still on the record. We still are on the record. Can we, you want to go? On? Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you all for listening. This has been a blast. Uh, Dave and I are going to keep on arguing over the merits of Bernie Sanders. Um, I'm going to convince them. I'm going to get them to vote for a socialist. It's going to be great. And I'm almost out of battery, so it's a perfect time to end this. Uh, Once again, thanks for listening, and um, take care. Bye.